When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. All right, we are live. It's uh, can you guys believe we're back already? Seems like we just finished. That was what April, May, May, like middle of May. We finished spring football, man. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're back, but I'm certainly glad to be here back with the gang. Uh, it's gonna be a good time, good season, hopefully. Absolutely. Well, let's get it started. Here we go. All right, I'm Langston Worst Jr. Beside me, you have Chris Hughes. Beside him, you have Dale Ross. We are talking preps. We're back to season number five. It's uh, wow, it just seems like we just ended season number four back in May. Um, we're we're going to be joined by Senator Vicki Sawyer. I'm going to bring her in right now. Hey, thanks for having me out here, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, want to get right into it. Um, you know, the last thing we saw was the meeting between you guys and the state association. Um, you know, some pleasantries came after the meeting, but where does it stand right now with HB 91? Where are you guys standing as far as your relationship with the association as we speak right now? Yeah, so thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. We did have a really good meeting um, with the board themselves, not just the executive leadership, but the board members, uh, superintendents and ADs, and they really understood our concerns. And we had an amazing meeting in moving forward with HB 91. Uh, we will intend to have it be heard next week in the Senate um Education Committee. Um, this will be a collaborative effort between the General Assembly and the Department of Public Instruction. We've been working with their attorneys and staff, both the board attorneys as well as uh, Superintendent Truitt's office to come to an MOU about how we move forward with the Athletic Association and how we want our, our schools and our students to be treated moving forward. Can you kind of explain to viewers kind of in plain language what exactly HB, HB 91 is and why you guys felt it was necessary this time? Yeah, so we did not wake up in the morning and saying we want to abolish the High School Athletic Association. In no way was that our intent. But unfortunately, like what we've heard back from schools and ADs and superintendents is that when you do have an issue, there's not a fair or clear appeals process. And we started investigating and got further and further into it. And unfortunately, the executive leadership just couldn't come to the table at the time to talk to us. And when they did, it was always combative. And truly, uh, my fellow senators and I thought, my gosh, if we're going to treat an elected representative like this, how do they treat our coaches? What is going on with our kids? And then we started talking to coaches and kids and they would tell us all these things that were going on. But they would say, please don't tell them that I said this because I'm afraid I'll never get into the playoffs ever again. Um, and that was a resounding thing that came all over North Carolina that we heard from from those folks who contacted us. So, you know, that fear of retribution, the inability for them to be transparency, their unwillingness to turn over financial records, their um, 
just coldness about asking general questions about what they're doing with public money and public school kids and public um, interest uh, led us to say, you know what, this is not a willingly uh, open and transparent group. And so they're going to have to go away if they don't want to answer the questions because they are dealing with our children. Do you feel that's gotten better, Vicky, uh, in the yeah. last, you know, throughout the last, the course of the last few meetings you guys have had and are they starting to address what you guys are looking for? Well, make no mistake about it. Um, it did not get well until the State Board of Education stepped in and, and let them know that, hey, guys, you know what? We're on the legislative side here about what we see and share their concerns. Um, so after that, and they received the uh, message loud and clear from uh, the chairman and the superintendent that we're all in this together, they came together. And when truthfully, when we got down to it and we were talking to superintendents that serve on that board, they understood. They knew what we were talking about and they were really willing to work for it. So from that meeting, I point blank asked them, are y'all going to work with us or not? And they all agreed to work with us. And that for me was a big step forward. Oh, well, good evening, Senator Sawyer. And I appreciate you coming on here with us this evening. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the, co the conversations that you guys have already had uh, with the NCHSAA. But I wanted to ask, is House Bill 91 still going to move forward? And after all of these recent meetings that, that you mentioned that you guys have had, is it still there to replace the NCHSAA? Or do you even feel now that you've had this dialogue that it is necessary to have to replace the NCHSAA at this point? Yeah, so my intent was never to replace the NCHSAA. Just like I said, they were an unwilling participant in the dialogue that we had. So we felt like, hey, you got to get, you got to go. Um, thankfully, though, we will have HB 91 moving forward, but not in a present form. So we are going to pull it back and hear it in the Senate Education Committee. Again, this will be a, a joint effort between myself or between the Senate, the House and the State Board um, of education about what a contract looks like moving forward. What are our expectations from the organization that uh, administers our high school athletics and things like we are going to talk about penalties and that that shouldn't be fines and maybe a demerit system like other schools do. We do want to say, or as other states do, we do want to say, hey, look, maybe the state auditor should come in and be able to look at your finances since basically public schools, all but four private schools are the ones who are funding your organization. Guys, these are just really simple questions. When an organization has $41 million in assets, um, and that is just about as much as the ACC, and four times as much as any of our states, surrounding states combined, those are serious questions that need to be answered. And so luckily with HB 91, uh, we're going to not have to go through this kind of public display of angst again, uh, get them under a contract that will be renewable. And uh, we will uh, live to fight another day for the uh, North Carolina High Schools Athletic Association. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that contract and, and, and some of the, the dialogue that you guys have had. Uh, but what specific actions, if you could elaborate on any, would the NCHSAA need to, to take in your mind moving forward to make this process work out well, really for both parties, both the state and the association? Yeah, so the appeals process is huge, right? We, we saw that there's the same select few people who hear all types of all four of their appeals boards, and these are handpicked by the executive director. So it's almost like the, the prosecutor and the judge are on the same team. 
that is not due process. That's not how we work. And that will not stand. So that's one of those must haves redos of the high school athletic association that we have to get that in there. So when a player has a problem, whether it's game day play or eligibility, and they want to appeal the solution that it goes to an independent board that will give them a fair day, a fair trial or fair um, hearing that doesn't happen right now. It just doesn't happen. The same people are making decisions all the way up. There are a lot of others. I don't want to necessarily get into a great amount of detail because we're kind of hammering them out at the very end with the Board of Education. So I don't want to uh, uh, say something that I can't I, I write a check that I can't cash, I guess, basically. But the appeals process is really big. Penalties are really big that you'll definitely see those two being addressed in the MOU. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, <clears throat> it sounds like maybe there will not be a revised group. So the initial question or this question uh, was actually based on a uh, part of that. And we have some private schools that play within our association, uh, Catholic, uh, they're non-boarding and uh, they follow the rules of the NCHSAA. And our question was, and maybe it's still something that we could get an answer on would be great. Uh, if there is a revised group, what kind of role would these uh, schools be allowed to play in, in that group? Well, I'm just gonna tell you my personal opinion. Um, as a daughter or a parent of a daughter who plays athletics for a private school, there is an organization at home for those private schools to play one another. So there's a big misnomer that if these guys can't play the High School Athletic Association, that they can't play ball. That's not true. It is also tough as someone who played sports her entire life and played for public schools, you know, when you get your clock cleaned off of a private school that can recruit and retain and, and have coaches and, you know, just to have a lot more amenities that other districted public schools have. So the, um, we are not taking that off the table. Part of the new uh, rework to the uh, 91 will have a study about how you treat those schools. Do they have to always play up? I mean, how does it, how does that work? Um, so we are going to study that issue because uh, we also want to look at homeschoolers. Like, you know, homeschool families may not want to do traditional school, but they may have a star athlete, like a star swimmer. Um, you know, why can't they swim for their high school? Because they're, you know, their district's high school. I don't have those answers. So we're going to uh, have a study committee to try to come up with one of those. And that will be part of um, House Bill 91 moving forward. Okay, just a follow-up to that, um, yeah. playing in the privates, in the uh, private association, uh, schools here in Charlotte end up playing each other two, three times in football in the season uh, because there isn't a lot of competition. And just something to note, you mentioned recruiting, et cetera. These schools that I mentioned do not recruit. They follow the NCHSAA uh, uh, rules on that. So. While there is problem with recruiting in certain aspects of private uh, ball, we all know that uh, it doesn't uh, exist at least with these schools. So yeah, um, well, and then yeah, so I want to follow up with that too. Is it fair for four schools and not all parochial schools to be involved in North Carolina Athletic Association? What makes these four schools more special than my daughter's school? Because that is they were really conversations that need to be had, and that's what we're going to study because they were willing to follow the rules of the NCHSAA and the other schools are not, such as yeah. reclassification, et cetera. So that's, that's why those other schools are not allowed to be part of the association. There's a guideline. And if you follow the guidelines, you're 
you can uh, be in. Of course, now you have a lot of private schools are wanting to fight that. So it might be a lot more difficult, but uh, that's why. Um, and that would have been a clarifying information that we would have loved to have gotten from the North Carolina Athletic Association when we first started this probe and inquiry. But unfortunately, their unwillingness, not the, the board members, but the executive staff unwillingness to answer questions like that. We had no idea. So we had to draw our own conclusions. So I'm grateful that the yeah. board is not able. OK, I'm sorry, but uh, my, my statement on that, that is that's fairly easy to, to learn. But anyway, and not from the directly from the NCHSAA, but speaking about the money. So one of my concerns with the NCHSAA, as a lot of us have had, is transparency. We uh, we would like to see more transparency, especially when it comes to the funds. You mentioned one transparency as far as how the board is put together. Uh, but another concern is what they're doing with the money and what could they be doing with the money? So. That's uh, that is a question. The claim of the forty-one million dollars. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, how and uh, how it could be used? What changes would you make as as far as that is concerned? The the money that's there. Yeah, so you guys know better than I do, but I saw invoices coming from playoff games where both schools had to pay the High School Athletic Association uh, $35 and to pay to host and have a, a playoff game. So there, there's schools out there who get penalized um, monetarily for their student athletes going, you know, and doing great things. Now, um, it is a board. It is a private, you know, it is a board. And so I and comprised of public school uh, personnel. So I trust that they will now be more in tune with the money. Personally, I would like to see things uh, like uh, if they do have to do a commission or a, a, a gates split that all three parties uh come to the table equally instead of high school athletic association taking all the money, you know, off the top and then, you know, left with the other two. Um, I would like to see reduced um, fees for entry for schools. You know, they charge, I think a dollar per student, um, regardless of that student is going to participate in athletics or not. Um, I definitely want to see, I mean, I'm a parent who, uh, raised money for public education for 10 years. So I'm the one who's asking you to buy popcorn. And, um, you know, on a Friday night, I'm out there sweating in the box trying to sell concessions while the kids are out there playing ball so I can make sure they can get to the next Friday night light. So I want to see them keep more of their ticket receipts. I want to see the schools retain their own money. I mean, the High School Athletic Association, as good as they are on some things, on this part, it's very embarrassing. I mean, why take a dollar from a school and only return 10 cents and brag about that? And then that $41,000 in scholarships that they gave out and they for 35 kids, that was awful. You know, they were bragging about these scholarships they were giving to student athletes. When you have that type of money in the bank and you're only giving back $45,000 to student athletes, that's a lopsided approach to how we should be treating our kids. Yeah, I see Chris nodding his head up front. Chris, your thoughts here? Yeah, I agree with I agree with that statement. They they could give more uh, more scholarship money. They most certainly could and should. Yeah, Vicky. Uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of things. Now, I wanted to to get your response to two things. We've seen a lot of organizations come out of support association, the football coaches, the basketball coaches, the baseball. I mean, ads. A lot of people. Did that carry any weight with you guys? The fact that so many people who they govern really came out in, in support of them. 
No, when you see a problem this big, it doesn't matter who's sitting there on the other side, especially if they're associated with the problem. And so I understand and I've seen the emails coming from the association to these organizations. Um, and these organizations uh, may have been represented by one or two people, but not from the ones who contacted us. So I appreciate their ground game on getting out the word uh, to those associations. But when you guys have seen and heard the things that I've heard uh, from people who keep saying, please don't use my name because I'm scared of retribution, then you know what? I'm in it and I'm going to fight for every one of those kids out there, those coaches and those ADs who called and, and bared their soul to me about this organization. All right. You laid out a couple of things. I just want to go back through just so everybody yes, is clear. The next steps for HB91, what are going to be the next steps that we're going to see happen? Yeah, so you'll see a reworked bill that will uh, be modeled around a MOU. In other words, that's just like a contract. Mm -hmm. We'll lay out our expectations for the organization um, for the next uh, maybe five years. And it will be, in my idea, it will be a renewable contract. So that's something that, you know, just like any other um private company that comes to do the bidding of the government, you have to renew those contracts and that's, there's nothing different with this one. Um, so we'll, we will um, amend that bill. We'll bring it back into education. So we'll get a couple more hearings um, and then uh, we'll move it on uh, out of the general assembly to the governor's office. But, you know, the department of public education is absolutely in lockstep with us on these provisions. So it's not a fact of, you know, will it or won't it pass? I mean, we've got, really great input from everybody on this. Well, one. the association will remain, but you guys will have kind of a laundry list of things that you will want to see. Sure. Yeah, like any contractor that the government hires, right? I mean, there's just certain things that you have to do. And one of them is like you said, money and transparency and, mm -hmm. and open meetings. So when they are making these rules and these laws that it's not behind closed doors, that they should have an open meeting and people are invited to those meetings. There should be a due process for the appeals process. Um, you know, those kind of things are just common knowledge that aren't being practiced right now with the organization. And that's been the, really the bane of our existence. I mean, we don't talk about conferencing. I mean, I, I mean, a little bit. I mean, that's not the problem. The problem is transparency and accountability with an organization that's the wealthiest in the nation. OK. And, then, and the other thing I want to do, kind of not, I'm saying nail you down. I'm not trying to go. I don't, mind. I don't mind. Um, the, the, the private schools we talked about, the, mm -hmm. especially the non-border parochials, you know, the Catholics and the Cardinal mm -hmm. Gibbons, do you want them to remain in the association and be able to play for association state championships? Or do you just want association schools to be able to play them? So again, I'm, I know that that's politically charged. So, and we have a big one in our area, Charlotte Catholic. So I don't want to speak out against that, but I also get tired of seeing Charlotte Catholic win four years in a row, you know, against my schools that are, you know, really trying hard to, um, you know, compete with districted schools. You know, they just can't compete against some of these larger schools like that. So however that study comes out, I'm excited to see when we put that into the hands of the professionals and see what they decide. Again, you know, with most of my policies that I feel like it's either everybody or nobody, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody come in or nobody come in. What you know, open the door to all or none. But that's not for me to decide. And uh, this study should do that. But no, are they going to get kicked out next year? No. But are they going to be looked at? Yeah, absolutely. Same with charter schools. I mean, what are you? What's your position yeah. on charter schools? There's been a lot of talk about 
them dominating the 1A, just as you mentioned, Charlie mm-hmm. Catholic. I mean, what are, your, what are your thoughts there? So if you see in the first House Bill 91, uh, Majority Leader Bell was really the leader on this conference play because he, he lives in Goldsboro in a 1A area school. And so he's seen charter schools just clean public schools clogs. So his, you know, uh, part of that was to like, hey, just simply play up, right? If, if you're pulling kids from a small district uh, versus a charter school that can pull from five counties, I mean, is it really fair to, you know, allow that to those folks to play on this uh, level playing field? So that is more of um, the conference play that I didn't get into. I'm really, truly more about, you know, the money accountability, the due process. So um, that also will be studied in this uh, HB 91. But truthfully, I mean, the board should be able to decide this in an open manner and and talk about it and have public hearings. And that should be the duty of the High School Athletic Association. But it needs to have public input where it has not had that before. Well, Vicki, I really want to thank you for coming on and being open and honest with us. And hopefully, hopefully you'll come back later on as, as this bill moves on and we have some some further discussion. But really enjoyed it. Uh, I see Chris is not his head the whole time. <laughs> so I appreciate it. And you have a great night and we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you all. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. That is uh Vicki Sawyer, the state senator from Iredale. Now we're gonna bring in uh James Alberson for a little reaction from the uh, state association. Uh, how you doing, James? I'm doing great, Langston and uh, Chris and Dale. It's good to see you guys, and uh, just to be it, it's exciting to be with you guys. I know Q wishes she could be with us. She's got another commitment tonight, but uh, do appreciate your time and appreciate you taking on a, a tough issue. Yeah, I always like to have a boss lady on because I asked her to look at her crystal ball <laughs> and tell me about high school athletics for the year. But you're going to get that question later on. Jones got big, big shoes to follow, right? Yeah, I'll shoes. use my magic eight ball tonight. I don't have you, a crystal you, ball. You, you heard a lot of what Vicky was saying about the in the money has been the biggest thing. Everybody's focused on the forty-one million dollars, and we have the most, uh, the richest association in the country. Uh, lawmakers are stuck to that issue. Are they right to stick to $41 million? Well, I never thought that I would be sitting in front of uh, the General Assembly because we have money and not because we need it. Uh, So that's certainly something that was uh, surprising to me about all this coming several years ago. The North Carolina High School Athletic Association, thanks to the visionary leadership of boards of directors and executive directors uh, from the past, from Charlie Adams, Simon Terrell, and all the way up through Davis Whitfield and Commissioner Tucker, has been very fortunate uh, to to have the visionary leadership and to have the good financial stewardship of the shared resources of the members of the High School Athletic Association. And yes, $41 million in net assets sounds like a lot of money. And uh, you know what? That is a lot of money. But at the same time, uh, the way that the legislators, particularly Senator Sawyer, uh, Senator Johnson, and Senator McGinnis have uh, portrayed this is just a little misleading, Langston, and that's been disappointing. Uh, We've told them regularly about the breakdown of the association's assets, and $15.8 million of that's in a donor-directed endowment that we can't touch the principal on that money. Uh, That goes for scholarships, Hall of Fame, uh, a lot of different areas and donors give specifically to specific things. And the way endowments work is you can't touch the principal. You can only spend the interest on it. Um, And so we've done that. Uh, That's part of where that $41,000 in scholarships that you're talking about, all those came up. Uh, The $41,000 in scholarships have all come from donor donations, and you don't spend the principal on that uh, donation. You only spend the interest on that particular fund, uh, and you only spend 3 to 5% of the interest per year. 
Um, that's the way endowments have worked. Uh, you know, Harvard has an endowment. They operate very similarly. UNC Chapel Hill has a, a has an endowment and they operate in a similar manner. Uh, so that's 15.8 million of that, uh, you know, 41 million in net assets. And then we had $10.7 million that was in a board designated quasi endowment. And that was built from uh, essentially was built from the endowment games, which was an extra regular season game that we allowed our schools to play voluntarily if they wanted to. And a dollar surcharge on playoff tickets, which is above and beyond the ticket price, was a dollar off the top that came in and went straight to the endowment. So $10.7 million is where that sat in 2020 uh, on that 990 that, uh, you know, ended the 2020 year. And I'm just going to tell you that number won't be that this year because the board took $4 million out of that and gave back to our member schools this year as part of the CAPS program, which was the COVID athletic program subsidy. And so $4 million of that 10.7 is already going back to the member schools, has already gone back, and the board can choose to use that money uh, that is remaining in a similar fashion. They could choose to hang on to it and do what's in the best interest of the member schools um, because it's a shared member resource. And that leaves about uh, $13.9 million, which handles uh, your undesignated funds. That includes the building, which is valued, fair market value, somewhere around $1.3 million. Mm-hmm. That includes the association vehicles, the copiers, the computers, all the things that we use to run the day-to-day business of the association. It includes this year's operating reserves. And it also includes two years of operating reserves, just about two years of operating cash reserves, as directed by the board of directors, who I'll remind you, represent the membership of the high school athletic association uh, we do not operate in the, in the chapel hill office we do not operate outside of the wishes of the membership and, and that's bottom line so you can see that the the breakdown of the association's finances uh you know that's out there we've put it out there we put it out at our regional meetings every year and if there's anything that we could have done better langston and guys I, i'll say this if there's anything we could have done better and if i could have go back you know, several years and say that we should do better. We needed to better educate our members, our coaches, our athletic directors and principals and superintendents about how the endowment works, about what the purpose of the endowment is and about how it works for them, uh, because it does. And so uh, those are some things that, you know, if I had if I had a, a do over button, I would hit that and go back to it. But uh, that's not where we are. And I think uh, at this point, uh, part of what HB 91 has done is ha- has forced us to get our message out there and to help people better understand how the association finances work. And I think that's a good thing. Okay. So thank you for, for that. Um, I do want to say that I knew that breakdown. I didn't know by numbers because uh, this isn't real secretive information. I only know it because uh, of an accounting friend uh, that we all know has uh, kind of laid this out to me uh, because he has investigated in the past, but it does drive a point that uh, I'm going to ask the question now. Uh, most people, there have been questions about the endowment and what is done with the endowment. Uh, and that is a, a place where you guys can do a better job because when you go around and talk to coaches and, and uh, principals, et cetera. There's not a real clear thing about, well, there's just this money going out and what's happening with it. But honestly, we hadn't heard about this uh, to the degree that we're hearing about it now uh, under uh, previous, you know, under Charlie Adams and and, uh, Whitfield. Uh, We did not hear about this kind of stuff uh, 
again, I'm going to say at the level that we're seeing that it made it into the media. So um, I guess the question here is, uh, uh, in your opinion, why has this not come up before? Uh, why do you think there's it's, it's here now and hasn't been that big of an issue in the past? I think that will probably be a better question for uh, the legislators to answer. Uh, I, I'm not sure I really understand why it's any different now than it ever has been in the past. And what I will say is that the association board and staff and, you know, the association is all 427 member schools. We all make up the NCHSAA. It's not just the people that sit in the office at 222 Finley Golf Course that make up the NCHSA. It's all of our member schools and it's all of our board of directors. And, uh, you know, the board of directors over the, the course that I've been there, so the five years that I've been with the association, and even in the eight years prior that I covered the association, the board of directors has had a very, very steady hand uh, in how they guided the association and how they stewarded the resources of the association. You don't see big fluctuations and big swings in how uh, you know money is spent, how the budget is done. You just don't see those things. Um, and if anything, the board and the association is guilty of is doing things the way we've always done uh, and, and, and not responding to the changing uh, dynamics of the association finances fast enough. Um, we have invested money in, in the endowment. We've invested you know, the endowed dollars that the board directed um, from those endowment gains and the dollar surcharge. We've invested it and we've invested it well. And it's done well. I mean, if you look at the market, I, I, I don't know how many of you guys have a 401k or how many of you are involved in investing on the side. But if you look at the market since 2010, it's done really, really well. And the association has benefited from that, which means our member schools have benefited from that because it's a member school resource. And I think that that's something we all need to understand. And so the association put together an endowment advisory committee. Um, actually, uh, you know, we didn't make up the members. The Coaches Association and the Athletic Directors Association, they're the ones that, uh, you know, nominated people to go on to this endowment advisory committee. And they've already forwarded recommendations to our board of directors, which have been acted on recently uh, to increase the amount of the interest percentage that's given back to our member schools on an annual basis. If you look back to when we started doing end of year distributions uh, for the association from the endowment, which was back around 2010, 2011, over that decade or so, we've given back over $13 million to our member schools through the endowment program uh, and through just the financial stewardship of the staff keeping the operating budget under the, the proposed budget every year. So through those things and through travel, uh, you know, reimbursements and the things that we do every year, we've given back over $13 million. And then you tack on another four on top of that this year, when we knew programs are going to be uh, really strapped for cash because of a lack of spectators. Um, that's where, you know, that 4 million kicks it up to almost $17 million that we've given back to member schools. Um, and if we didn't have the great financial stewardship and the great vision of the boards and uh, of the members of this association to have these resources available, we wouldn't have been able to give back $4 million. And there might be a case if we hadn't done these things, if we hadn't had the cash reserves that our boards have directed us to have, where we would actually have to reach out to our member schools and say, hey, we can't pay our bills at the end of this year because we didn't take any playoff revenue in. 
you need to pay us so that we can cover our bill or we'd have to go to the state legislature and ask those same things. I, I mean, those are all difficult uh, things that a lot of other state associations are having to deal with. And the association, because it's managed its funds well, because the members have pooled shared resources together, we're able to give back at a time when other people are simply not able to do that. Uh, great comments. Uh, this next question, I I can understand, but I don't, um, have not being the fly on the wall to be able to see how you guys were approached. Uh, the, this is about your responsiveness. We heard about it just a little bit ago, and we've heard about this before, and that is that you guys were not responsive uh, to initial requests. Um, and we'd like to hear what you have to say about that. And do you think that there was a lack of transparency uh, with the lawmakers? Uh, you know, transparency goes both ways, right? And could the NCHSAA have done better in handling both the initial, or I'll say the initial, because it sounds like maybe things are being worked out. Well, thank you for your question, Dale. And uh, I will say that, you know, transparency is an important thing and it does go both ways, uh, as you mentioned. And um, some of the things that have been said about the responsiveness of the association, uh, I would characterize as not completely true. Uh, and that's disappointing to me uh, individually at this time. And uh, what I would say is that our, the initial request that Senators McGinnis and Johnson sent to Commissioner Tucker for 990s after uh, Senator McGinnis requested that we revisit the Anson uh, decision back in 2019, and he was told no. After that, he just started asking for 990s, and Senator Johnson got involved with that. Um, and Commissioner Tucker initially told them no. Um, and she talked with um, our board of directors after that time, and the board informed her and, uh, you know, made the decision that we should share that information with them. If they're asking for it, we should give it to them. And so we did. Um, and since that time, any time that one of the legislators has reached out and has asked for information from the association, we've sent it. Any time that, a, you know, a senator or a representative has reached out and invited us to a meeting, has invited us to talk with them, we've done that. Uh, we came over for the uh, meeting on April 15th with the Joint uh, Committee on Government Operations, the subcommittee that they formed to investigate the association more formally. Um, we came over, we spoke with them, we thought we had a productive meeting, and uh, at the end of it, Chairman Berger at that time said, uh, thank you for meeting with us. He told Commissioner Tucker that they'd be in touch if there was anything further that they needed. And since then, all we got uh, was a request for more information, which we provided uh, in, you know, packet form and PDF form as we sent over to them. And we were not invited to the subsequent meeting that that committee had where Superintendent Truitt and uh, a former uh, vice president of the State Board of Education presented. Uh, we were not invited to that meeting. Um, and so they, they made decisions and talked about things that they did, and they didn't ask our opinion. They didn't ask us to sit down at the table and clarify things. Um, and finally, after they introduced HB 91, there was a formal invitation for us to come and sit down. Uh, and so those things, I would say, is somewhat misleading when they say that we initially were, um, that we initially were not responsive. But everything that they've asked for, Dale, we've given. Everything that every meeting that they've invited us to, we've attended. 
Um, and I don't know what much more you would ask of an association than to be involved when they're invited and to be involved uh, in providing the information that's requested. Um, you know, we've shared information and, you know, the, they continue to bring up the 41 million, even though it, it is somewhat misleading. We've shared that with them. Um, but for whatever reason, they decide to do that. That's up to them. But as far as I'm concerned and as far as the association is concerned, we've been responsive uh, to our state legislature. And we look forward to continuing to work with people who want to work with us. Um, can I say something before, Chris? Do you mind? I just wanted to say one thing that you can do in transparency is it's not just as administrators and coaches and all that don't know. It's really that bigger population of people, parents uh, that don't fully understand this. So I would work on a way to make sure they can know. I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, no, no problem, Dale. Uh, James, by the way, good to see you. I know we don't get to see each other quite as much as typical with, you know, given the pandemic and stuff like that. But although be it remotely here, it's good to see you right now. But I want to ask you, and you mentioned being good stewards of the association's money. And again, by the association, obviously we mean uh, the member schools. Uh, but should the association or really could the association have possibly done more for the schools uh, during the pandemic. I know you mentioned the four million of the endowment that was given back to schools, and that was an incredible gesture. Uh, and, and given the size of the endowment, could some of the money that some of these schools owe in fines uh, be potentially ripped away? And if that is even possible, I don't know if it is, but if it was possible, what would the downside be to maybe just nullifying any fines? And and what would the downside of that be for you guys? I think that you'd have to ask the members that question because Chris, to be honest with you, the membership has agreed to the rules that the association has now, and that includes fines. And I've talked to numerous athletic directors and coaches that they want people to be fined if they're breaking rules. They want to pay a penalty if they're breaking rules. Um, there has to be some consequence for breaking the rules to keep the playing field level and to deter penalties. We wouldn't have speeding tickets in North Carolina if, we didn't believe as a state and as a government that monetary penalties are a deterrent. We wouldn't have those types of things, but we do uh, because they are a useful tool. And so the member schools have agreed to that set of rules through the board of directors. And if they want to change that, that there's a process to go through with the board of directors to do that. I don't know personally what that would look like. Uh, at the same time, is there a way to do a demerit system or some of those types of things that wouldn't involve monetary fines? Possibly. But at the same time, what is that demerit system going to lead to? Am I going to be more pun punishing kids for administrators mistakes and having them miss the playoffs because the demerit system ends up disqualifying their team or disqualifying whatever? What's that system going to look like and who's it going to impact? And so while a fine may punish kids um, in some way, it, it's never taken directly from the kids. It comes from an athletic budget, which may be a booster club, it may be whatever, but it's because they broke a shared rule, an agreed upon rule, and that's why those fines are in place. And so what I would say is that's a membership decision, and it's best left in the hands of our members. Well, great, great response to that. And, and I appreciate that. And especially the way you articulated that uh, speaking, you know, again, the membership makes up the association. But I want to hear your thoughts, not necessarily, you, you know, the association being the membership schools, but just your thoughts in general of the HB 91 
Um, and, and as a staff, you know, the 17 or 18 professionals that work inside the building there in Chapel Hill, how much did this blindside you, especially, you know, of course, being the staff, you know, nobody wants to think of an entity coming in, investigating you and, and having the prospects of you. I know you've been with the association for five years. There's countless others that have de dedicated their entire professional lives uh, to work in there. Uh, there. It just can't be a fun prospect to think that in the back of your mind, you potentially could lose the job if this was to go through to fruition uh yeah chris you know that's a that's something that's definitely hanging uh, i would say it's almost a cloud over the the, the office right now uh, we don't talk a lot about it because we're busy we have things going on uh we're, we're getting ready for fall sports uh you know games have already kicked off this week practices we're dealing with transfer uh waiver requests we're dealing with hardships we're dealing with a lot of different things um you know, trying to get media cards out to you guys. That's been something I've been dealing with this week. Uh, but again, that is something that does hang over uh, each of our heads in the office. We love what we do or we wouldn't be there. Um, th that's just bottom line. Um, we love working for kids. We love working for the schools of North Carolina. And we think it's important. Um, and personally, I believe that we're the most qualified people in the state to do it. But we have a staff of 17 people. Uh, in our office uh, on a daily basis. And those 17 people go to work, not for the money. They don't go to work for different things. Uh, if they wanted money, they would be working somewhere else. I can tell you that. But what I will say is 11 of us already have a master's degree. And in four weeks, when I finish up mine, it'll be 12 um, in, in administering athletic programs. We're, we have master's degrees. We've been doing this for a combined over 100 years, um, closer to 200 if you count everybody. I mean, Q's been there for 30 years. Karen's been there. Uh, I mean, you can go right on She's 27, line. man. She's 27. Don't start there. Well, uh, we, that 27's gotten really long the past couple of years. I have to give her a few moments. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm she, sorry. She's dealt with more than – I told her on the show before. She's dealt with more than any of her predecessors ever have. But uh, James, I wanted to—I want to thank you for for coming on and and, and being so uh, eloquent and, and open about your answers. I did want to get you to change gears just a little bit. Um, COVID is causing games to be canceled throughout the state. Um, is this association thinking of taking any action? We're, we're seeing, you know, some counties are going to testing. Orange County last night had a vote. Should they, you know, have mandatory vaccines? Uh, any action you guys are thinking about taking, maybe revert having conference play start early, anything to, to make sure we can have playoffs? Uh, nothing at this time. We're obviously monitoring the situation. Obviously, the Delta variant has spiked across the state, mm -hmm. um, and that is really making things difficult, Mike. And I think you all know that. I, our administrators are dealing with that on a school level and on a county level. And right now, the guidance from DHHS, and we're in contact with them regularly about what they're advising. Um, we're, we're, we're talking with them about that. But at the same time, uh, we're leaving the decisions for now in the hands of the local schools who are best equipped and dealing with it on a day-to-day -day basis. Our county health departments are in contact with DHHS. Our schools and their LEAs should be in contact with their local health department, making the best decision for their schools and for their kids. Um, and then at a state level, if the governor or DHHS advise us of different things, we'll, we'll obviously take that into effect. And we're going to follow the guidance and uh, the, the request of the governor and the Department of Health and Human Services to do our part to defeat this COVID-19 
uh, virus and defeat the Delta variant and, and hopefully get us back to normal. It's been difficult the last two years. I know you all know that. Yeah. I know our kids have dealt with that. And uh, it, most of all, I think our athletic directors and the coaches that have been on the front lines of making sure that kids are tested, making sure that they're doing the symptom checks, they're doing the temperature checks, and then they're trying to coach, get people ready to play games, get people you know skilled up in skill development sessions and in workouts. They're working really hard. They're exhausted. And we all want to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we need to pull together and do our part uh, on the local level to make sure that we're able to have playoffs at the end of this year. Uh, it's so difficult and it's so uh, disappointing to hear all right, we got a quarantine here, we got a quarantine there, and, and those things are happening across our state right now. Um, I don't think with the COVID numbers where they are that we should any, at any of us should be surprised by that. But uh, but I will say I'm hopeful uh, that we'll be able to continue uh, things as they're going, that we'll be able to continue to offer kids opportunities to participate in education-based athletics because we do feel that it has value. And we believe in what we do with education-based athletics. We believe it's good for kids. Um, and when you have you have to weigh the risk of participation with the benefits. And we think right now that the benefits outweigh the risks. And we hope that it stays that way. Yeah, let us hope. Well, James, look, thanks for coming on the show. Definitely look forward to having you on down the road. Glad to be on, Langston. Thank you, guys. Appreciate what you do, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, James. All right. He did pretty good compared to Q. <laughs> Your relative, he did pretty good. Uh, oh. All right, it's time. It's time for the game show. Chris, you get a break. You can take a deep breath. All right, Alex Bentley, how you doing, man? You got I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. So tell me how excited you are uh, to to get ready to play some football this week. Uh oh, Alex, did you freeze up for us? I think I'm good. There you now. go. I said, tell me about how excited you are about to get a chance to play football this week. Oh, it's been a long time coming for senior season. I can't believe it's already here. I'm just ready to get after it. First, first week, senior season. Everybody's been preparing for this all summer. Can't wait for it. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait for this because you're going to take on that guy down right below you, Mr. Griner, on the game shows. Multiple choice questions. Now, Sam has his daughters in the back who have a Google out. Man, they don't listen to that. So you're, you're at a disadvantage <laughs> before we get started. Charlie Journey. Yeah, about to start. Listen, listen. Get Google fired up. <laughs> yeah. First of all, let's talk a little bit before we start this game. So I don't got to roll. But like Bentley, that's my guy. Y'all don't understand that. I coach Bentley. Is that right? And this is this is like one of my favorite players I've ever coached. He is a dragon. You know, like you said, he's a wrestler on top of a football player, and he holds that mentality when he plays football. And I absolutely love it. You don't never see a quarterback. Um, for a team, be the toughest guy on the team, and he really is that. Well, Alex, I want you to take down your former coach. No, 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 no. Let me have this. That's the goal. All right, now, now, Sam, who's going first? He always listen. Okay, Alex, Alex, you get to answer the first question. Chelsea's going to read. Here we go. All right, first question. Who was the National League home run king for half of the 80s? A, Mike Schmidt, 
B, Reggie Jackson, C, Gorman Thomas, or D, George Brett? Oh. Um, Alex, I got faith in you now. Don't start talking about oh. Oh, my king. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to try this one. Let's go. This is before my time. I'm going to just go with. Let's go A. All right, we're going A, Mike Smith. Coach Griner, what do you got? Golly. Um, so if he would have said Reggie Jackson, I probably would have went with him. If he didn't say it, like if he went like George Brett or Gorman Thomas, I would have probably said Mike Smith. Um, I can't remember when Reggie Jackson finished playing. Golly. Sam, we, we, we're trying to get through the segment, man. Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Reggie Jackson. I'm going to go Reggie, Reggie Jackson, Jackson. You're down one to nothing, Sam. The answer is Mike Smith. Hey, don't be – don't stress me out, Langston. I knew I'm it was – I'm not stressing you out. I'm just trying to get you to answer the question so we can move on. We're okay, no learning more about your strength. Gary is in the back. And you and you holding us up because you can't answer the question. I'm in the back for an hour. Y'all coming to get me? <laughs> Damn, let's go. All right. Well, this this, this was something I learned. So, uh, which school has the biggest social media following? Would it be A Ohio State, B Florida, G Georgia, or D Alabama? Sam. I'm going to go uh, A. All right. Alex, what you got? I'm going to go Alabama. Oh, Alex, it was A. Ohio State has nearly 3 million social media followers, including 2 million on Facebook. Hey, I knew I should have went Mike Smith, too. Shoot. <laughs> we, are, we are. Hold on. I got to keep my. So he's got to be able to pronounce his name. To get, he gets half credit because he said A. Because Sam, Sam, Sam is mad if I if I miscal he always thinks I'm cheating him somehow, miscalculating on the on the uh the score. So it is one to one, and we're going to Chelsea. And uh, All right. you're up. Which movie won the Oscar Award? Which movie, yeah, won the Oscar Awards in history? One of the most, most? Oscar yeah, Miss the word out. One of the most Oscar <laughs> We got A West Side Story, B G G. 1958, C, From Here to Eternity, or D, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King? Let's go Lord of the Rings. All right. Samuel. Golly. It's either A or D. It's not B or C, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Do I need to get the, uh, the the theme music from that TV show out to make you answer fast? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You might have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Okay. I think you're in Jeopardy, by the way. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Well, you both got it right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we're, we're two. We're two to two. I should see. I should let you just drown because you're about to drown. I, I, nah, I see. I'm just not. You didn't rush me, so I was like, yeah, I had to go with my gut. I was like, you know what? I mean, it was too detailed out. Lord of the Rings, da 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 Like, you know, I was like, That's the name of the movie. I, I thought he about had you pinned. That's the name of the movie. Yeah, let's go. So hopefully I can say all these names. Which baby <laughs> rapper hails from Charlotte? <laughs> Lil, ba <laughs> Lil Baby? Da Baby? C, Ball Baby? D, Sada Baby? Did I say that right? You did. You did. Yep. 
Samuel, you're... I knew it was one of the two. I just can't figure it out. Let me think for a second. One of the two. In there four yeah. of them? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, yeah. Well, I know two of them are not it. I know two of them are not it. Um, Don't man. ask your daughter. So you, you better get this one because I got it for sure. I know you do. That's what I'm I'm contemplating. I'm going to go with a uh, A. All right. What you got, Alex? It's B. It's B the baby. Sam, you were down, sir. I knew it was something. I knew it was the little baby or the baby. I freaking I couldn't. How many wrestling points you have right now, Alex? Sam, in, in, in golf, you be dormy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Last question. Alex, all you gotta do is all you gotta do is get this one. You knock him out. Okay. Uh, Sam, all right. Sam's nervous. Sam's nervous. Come on, Sam. Oh, they're rooting for me now. Yeah, man. Chelsea, let's go. All right. What was the first Mecklenburg County high school football team to win two NCHSAA 4A state championships? A, Garinger, B, Myers Park, C, West Charlotte, or D, Independence? It's on Bentley. Yeah, it's Bentley. Uh, let's see. At least she pronounced. Mm. She came close to pronouncing Garinger right. That's good. <laughs> that was good. Did my best. You did good. Not let's from go. Yeah. All right, Sam. What you got? What Charlotte? You both are wrong. The answer's independence, and you lost. Sam. Oh. You took an L. That's incorrect because I can that correct. That is not right incorrect. Now. That is not incorrect. Yeah, you talking about like uh, West Charlotte won two state championships. No, for they have not. Independence won on their run. They have not. They had their seven in a West row. Charlotte won in 1995. And in 1960. No, NCHSA 4A. Yeah, not They had no in front of it. They have two Damn. state championships. I look at the banner. Damn, the yeah. They got two, two. Like I'm well, saying, not NCHSA. So you lost. What does that even mean? What is it? Is it North North? So they didn't win in North Carolina. Yeah, the man just can't take an L. I hey Bentley, tell him what I told you today. Uh, Coach Coach Richmond said today that I need to I need to fire him. I need to play Richmond instead of Coach Griner because Richmond beat him. And he <laughs> he take did. on the top dog. He did. He absolutely did. He absolutely did. Don't let Richmond Richmond been in the back longer than me, hour and a half now. <laughs> I know. Well, Alex, look, man, thanks for coming on with us. Hey, good work, Kelly, man. If I go down, I'm glad to see you, man. I, I respect you. Congratulations, man. Man. I knew Mike Smith and then I appreciate the baby. I was contemplating. I was like, Kylie's a little baby or the baby? I don't no. All right. All right, guys. Take care of some of them, man. That, that wasn't a wrestling match. That was a boxing Thank match. You. That was Frazier all week. Off to a great start this season. Sam is 0 1. I still think I'm right on that. I don't know. Right, Alex Bass. Bass. Look, you're taking Alex Bass right now. Get up, Alex Bass. Let's go. I'm very disappointed there. Uh, I'll be the first person to say that Sam was robbed in that last series. He, Thank he, you. He, he was robbed all the way around. And I, and I can explain later why he was robbed in this series. But we'll just move on. But, yes, Sam was robbed. Thank you. Um, I was. 
Alex, I want to get your thoughts on what you heard from from Senator Sawyer and from uh, James Alfred Association. What, what do you, where do you, what's your your feelings about HB ninety one and where we are right now? Let's move on. The NCHSAA is the entity to lead high school athletics in the state of North Carolina. Are there some things we can discuss? Absolutely. We've all agreed on that. So let's move on, develop a memorandum of understanding. Let's also keep in mind that the NCHSAA's standing and financial solvency is the result of the legacy, as, several, as James mentioned, the legacy of the work of people like Q Tucker, Davis Whitfield, Charlie Adams, Simon Terrell. Let's keep in mind that the NCHSAA is in the position that it is now because of the visionary leadership of Charlie Adams in the establishment of the NCHSAA endowment and the cultivation of the NCHSAA's corporate relationship with Waco previously Wachovia, now Wells Fargo, which is the longest standing corporate partnership of uniting an NCAA a state high school athletics governing body and a major corporate entity in, the, in America. So let's keep in mind that the association benefited from the visionary leadership of Charlie Adams, who was way ahead of his time. So in terms of association financial solvency, that is the factor. States much larger than North Carolina were not blessed with the beacon, the visionary, and the great leader for whom the word impressive is not, is still an understatement for his prevailing legacy. Other states didn't have that. So let's be grateful. Let's also just move ahead, develop a memorandum of understanding, realizing that the NCHSAA is best to lead high school athletics, and let's move forward. All right, uh, Gary. I'm gonna tell you what I heard. I heard vindictiveness, and I heard reactionary politics. When they got turned down on appeal, what I heard is you can't tell me that because I'm a state legislature. And I've been through the appeal process myself. I broke a rule. I commented on officiating in a playoff game. I was about to get fined. I sent the evidence. They heard the appeal and the fine was rescinded. So they didn't like the appeal process because it didn't go their way. So that's what spurred this on. Then the other thing I heard was about Catholic. Um, they're upset because Catholic is winning state championships. I think they, they, they take the attitude, well, the, the 4A is for the big cities, but we all should have a chance to win 3A, 2A, or 1A. And here's this private school that is planned by a different set of rules. And she, she didn't even know that they play under the same rules and uh, guidelines that the public schools play under. That's why they're a member. So this was reactionary on the part of the legislature. They didn't, some members of the legislature didn't like being told no. They don't understand or didn't understand how the endowment process works. And uh, they passed, they're trying to pass legislation so that they can control the process. Um, it's a whole bunch of mess, political mess that's wasting taxpayer time. So first take everything Jerry said 
condense it. Perfect. Uh, I just wanted to make one statement. Why are lawmakers getting involved in this appeal process? That bothers me more than anything to think that you can bring a lawmaker in because there's some kind of power in the state and they're going to help me win a case. Um, this should the appeals should be between the parties involved. And uh, if you have to bring legal in, because there's a potential legal reason, bring a lawyer in. I have a problem with that. And I agree. It looks like it's a vindictive thing for that. And I, and I think a little bit of vindictiveness from uh, some things that happened last fall. But uh, that, that's all I'm going to say, Langston. I'll keep it short. Well, Gary, uh, you, you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, vindictiveness, jealousy, whatever the word you want to use, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. And, and you're 100% correct. I will be the first to admit, you know, Alex said this. Q Tucker has even said this. Are there things that the NCHSAA can do right and should do better? Absolutely. And and I was not 100% against this government inquiry and 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 them at least looking at maybe some forced transparency. I I'm, I was all for that to a certain degree, but but you guys are right. When she started talking about Charlotte Catholic and how they had won four games in a row and, and the jealousy and how they're taken away from these other schools, I don't think that she represented herself very well. You know, I understand where she's coming, but she was not looking at this from the embodiment of a lawmaker. You could tell she was looking at this from a parent perspective. And I just don't think she represented herself very well on that one point. Now, to her credit, they, she did say some things that, that were good and that, that I understand. Again, it matter, it's a matter of perspective and which side you stand on. But I, I just don't think that she served herself well in that kind of jealousy aspect that she portrayed with Catholic in particular. Okay. Um, I was high. Oh, I'm she glad did. you didn't have me on screen. Because I'm, right I'm, I'm with Grace though. Like I'm all. Y'all got, got me. You got all a hole there. in my tongue, Gary. <laughs> I'm about I'm, to get the end of my tongue off. Yeah. I I think that some of the stuff she said was legit though. Like I really I thought she said some legit things. I think that there's middle ground you need to get. She did. Yeah, but I'm gonna be honest. If I'm an outsider watching this show right now, I I know what side you guys stand with. I'm more in the middle. I'm gonna be honest. I just don't want to be associated with what you guys are saying, like this, 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 because I've been on the other end of it before, where it's hurt me. Okay, and I felt like it wasn't fair. So I'm just gonna be honest with you. So like, I just want some middle ground there. What What was your experience, Sam? And I, as I always say to you, be careful. What was your experience? Oh Lord. <laughs> um. Well, we we were. We were banned from the playoffs my first year at Hickory Ridge. After the fight. Uh, well, after, no, this is what happened. Remember, there was no brawl. Like when you when you posted brawl on the thing, then they revisited the situation. We never threw one punch the entire time. Mm -hmm. The situation is this, okay? And if you want me to break it down, break it down. The kid, there was a kid at Butler that died that day. We played on a Monday, okay? We played down the road at East Mech on that Monday, okay? One of the former players that played at East Mech moved into Harrisburg, was playing there. We were up, I don't know, 35, 40-something to nothing, okay, going into the fourth quarter, and they took that kid. I should have had him off on special teams. You just don't think about taking your ones off on special teams, you're punting the ball or whatever. 
he goes on a point where they take him off to the sideline. They beat on that kid for about three minutes, and I held everybody back. Held everybody back. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't go nowhere. They didn't go nowhere. Then the kid got dragged to the daggone stands, and the people in the stands were getting involved. I was fearful for that kid could get hurt really bad or die, especially the stuff that happened on earlier in the day. I took off and ran. Players came with me. We grabbed our guy, went back because it was life or death situation. I told the official, I said, I don't think we need to play. I looked at the other coach and I said, I think this game's over with. What do you think? And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and then the official was like, okay, we'll end the game. All right, that was it. We move on. Blah, 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 and it was like a brawl. Brawl means multiple people fighting, like from both sides. That's not what happened. We had video proof of all this stuff. They still stick to the black and white rule, and I don't think everything's a black and white rule. There's some gray area in situations you need to look into, and that's what I'm talking about. That right there, if you want to look at it, affected my career and my family based upon something I was trying to do the right thing. Does that make sense? I know that there's rules and stuff, but that's that's the situation. Right, right. Um, Gary, I want to get your thoughts yeah. on this COVID thing that's going around. Um, you know, we heard tonight there's two two more local teams that may lose games. We heard yesterday that Audrey Kell's out um, in the eastern part of the state. There's some teams in Wilmington and Fayetteville are going to be out. Uh, your thoughts about what's going on, what should we do? And, and we talked about no gloom and doom, but here we are again. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but now that um, we have the vaccines and somebody I saw brought up a good point today that the government is paying for everything COVID related as far as the testing, the vaccines, and seem like, you know, I don't want to mandate what well, I do, but I know it's not possible. I think you should mandate the vaccine, but that's my personal opinion. But if you're not going to do that, I do understand that on the physical forms in most districts this year, because, you know, athletes have to take a physical before the season, there is a box on their check if a kid had been vaccinated or not for COVID. And if there's a kid that comes down with COVID, I don't think they should penalize the whole team and quarantine the whole team uh, due to contact tracing. I think that the kids that are, are vaccinated should be allowed to continue to play. And those that are unvaccinated should be tested uh, after I don't know what the incubation period is. I think it's 48 to 72 hours. They should be tested um, after the incubation period. And if they come back negative, they should be allowed to continue to play. Um, I think, you know, one or two kids getting COVID and then penalizing 100 kids and coaches is just not fair. Um, that is not a HIPAA violation. Uh, Kids are already required to take other vaccines in order to go to public schools. Um, you know, I think coaches, if they choose not to take the vaccine and one of their players comes down with it and they get caught up in the contact tracing, then that's the penalty they have to pay for not taking the vaccine. Um, so that that's my opinion. I think that's how they're doing it in college and the pros. They go straight to the contact tracing. Uh, whoever the, the the positive case has been around, if they've been vaccin uh, vaccinated, they continue to play. Those that haven't been vaccinated, 
they get quarantined. I don't think you should quarantine a whole team if you have members of a team that are vaccinated. Okay. Grace, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, regardless of where, where we are, I mean, I'm against a mandate, you know, when it regards, you know, any sort of vaccine at this point. You know, personally, I am vaccinated, um, but my understanding of the rules as they exist now is that for vaccinated participants in high school athletics, if, you know, you are, you are, you're in a situation where, you know, someone catches COVID, contact tracing does not exist for vaccinated participants. It's only merely the test. And if you do have COVID or if you do not dictate whether or not you can continue to participate with your team. So again, as we speak, we're speaking to our players, <clears throat> we provide the rules and clearly, you know, there is an advantage to vaccination, but I just, I don't know if I'm completely for, you know, telling everyone you have to get vaccinated. I think, you know, you look at the situation and as we look at anything else, you know, make the best decision for you. And hopefully, you know, as members of a team, you know, you'll do the right thing that you think is best for everyone else. So, you know, it, it is unfortunate, but we understood that COVID would still be here. And again, as the Delta variant continues to expand, we do have that vaccine available. And I think we have to continue to push on. Um, you know, we're following all protocol. I think we're actually going above and beyond since the NCHSA doesn't have, you know, mandated real rules we have to follow, only best practices. But I think a lot of, you know, a lot of teams are out there going above and beyond to do what they can to, to stay in compliance. Yeah. Chris just said that nine teams in North Carolina are, are quarantined right now. Chelsea, from a student's perspective, how is this hitting you that here we go again, you know, face mask and games being postponed? Just, just what are your thoughts? I know Sanderson may have had an issue as well. Yeah, um, as far as going back to school, you know, this will be my junior year and everyone's looking forward to, you know, sports, a regular high school year. And in Raleigh, we have the mask mandate. And I know for our football team, we had some COVID cases. So it's not officially announced, but I do think we will be missing our first game um, this upcoming Friday. Our volleyball team had a case of COVID. And what they did with that situation was if you were vaccinated, you could come back to the next week of tryouts. And if you were not, then you had a quarantine. Um, so, yeah, I just think, you know, it is kind of like, you know, we thought we got over it. You know, we were looking forward to a normal year. But now we have the same things coming back. And it's, you know, a question like we're going in school, but now will we be online? So it's kind of all over the place. It really is, Chelsea. And and first and foremost, uh, welcome here to the big show. It's great to, to have you on here uh, with the team. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Uh, I know you've got Chelsea's world here coming up, and, and I'm anxious to get to that. Uh, Langston, I'm not sure. Do we have any theme music? Do we need to drop it? I'm not sure. I don't <laughs> think so. But um, anyway, uh, tell us who you interviewed. And and, and even before you get to the interview part, uh, if, if, a, if a student athlete wants you to interview them, kind of talk about the process to get in touch with you. Yeah, so I'm open to interviewing any student athlete in North Carolina. Um, if anyone wants to reach out, want to be featured on the show, my Twitter is at Chelsea Sipple. My DMs are open. And um, I'd love to schedule a Zoom or StreamYard, you know, get an interview on the show. And for who I interviewed this week, I interviewed senior um, O-line, Corey Ball Jr. from Huff High School. And so we talked about his senior year, the expectations for his football team and um, just everything going into this season. Well, wow, Chelsea, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to see you really grow with this. I'm excited to see this video. Langston, let's go ahead and roll this video. And this is 
Corey Ball Jr. from Huff High School, and he is a class of 2022 O-line. So Corey, first I wanna ask you, this will be your senior year and just coming off of the summer, talk about some things you've done to prepare for this upcoming season. So coming off of last season, uh, I got I had an ankle injury from the last Vans game. So coming off of that, I just been trying to get myself uh, right, get my ankle back in shape. You know, I've been going to a couple camps, you know, I've been lifting a lot. So I've just been trying to get back right for the first game of the season. Um, what's the expectation for this season and what are some of the goals y'all have as a team? Um, like Coach Dingen says, we just want to go one and zero every week. Uh, and after we go one and zero every week, make a strong run in the playoffs. And I think we have a championship caliber team, so I feel like we can get to the uh, state championship this year if we win it all. Um, it's at Huff. It's like a brotherhood. Like it's like everybody there. We all um, we all have one common goal. We all uh, our common goal is just to win a state championship. Our coaches coach us very hard. They all, but they also have, all have love for us. So it's like. They all do it. They all coach us hard out of love. Like Coach Jenkins, Coach Olsen, Coach Johnson, Coach Chachi, they all coach us very hard. And the coach we have there is very good. Great. And then this will be your senior year. So how do you step up as a leader and guide the team? Um, I try to lead by example uh, and be a role model for the team, whether it's in like the weight room, the classroom, or on the field. Like I try to be a role model to uh the freshmen, the sophomores, even the juniors is coming up to varsity. And I just try to be the person they can look after. For sure. And then finally, what game, what matchup are you most looking forward to this season? I'm not looking for a particular game. I'm just trying to, we're trying to get better every single week and win every single week. Because after every game, we will get better and better. So I'm just looking forward to every game. Wow. Uh, incredible job, Chelsea. Um, uh, again, um, I'm just so uh, happy to see the growth that you're 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 experiencing right here, and I can't wait. Just out of me, how serious it was, man. Do it. Thank you. He looks like Bane from Batman. I'm going. I want football. Hopefully, you can hear me. I want football. <laughs> I think we need some Darth Vader music, Langston. Yeah. I will double math. Look, we got a new segment. We got sorry, a new segment sorry. with Dale. You guys, he did his thing last year where he drank some. Uh, what was that you drank? <laughs> Hot, Frank sauce. Hot sauce. And and so we decided we're gonna give Dale his own cooking segment. Uh, it's called Cooking with Dale. But I think we're gonna change the name to something else. What's the way you call it, Dale? Would you or would well, you? Well. Langston, what happened was I, I just started deciding, really based on that hot sauce thing, there are lots of things that I eat or drink that uh, a lot of people would not. And so I thought I'd start doing this would you or wouldn't you thing. And and so I did one and uh, put it up on Facebook. And um, you're, I guess that's the one you're going to yeah, show. Yeah, I'll drop it in next week. But, you, have to, you have to film new ones now. So I think what I'll do is a real, real short one just like this one is, this one's very short. And then I'm going to try to do some serious, something a little bit serious with the rest of that time to maybe, uh, maybe talk about smoking meat. Um, oh, well, I'll, I'll, you know, like I'd like to hear from people, but uh, yeah, because I do like to eat, unfortunately, or fortunately. We all like to eat. See, you missed it when we all got together at Boardwalk Village the other day. You missed it. We all I know. But Gary, see, had, Gary had like, well, Gary, what, what was that thing you had, Gary? You had a big pot of something. Like, 
big as the table. Oh, I had a, a, a steam pot. With steam pot. That's what it was. Steam pot with the yeah, crab legs, big. oysters, and shrimp. Yeah, see, see, we take care of our co-hosts on Talking Press. Yeah, King Crab. <laughs> All right, so let's see what Dale has going on. Uh, let me find it. Uh, what did I call it? Why, would you or would you not? Would you or would you not? First of why wouldn't you or would you? This one is why wouldn't you? Your wine float. So, <laughs> so I grew up, you know, floats when I was young. And Chelsea, you like cheer wine? I actually don't. You don't because the cheer wine floats awesome. Dr. What kind of ice cream was it, Dale? Huh? What kind of ice cream? Well, was you it? know, usually you do a float with vanilla, but that was strawberry ice cream. <laughs> okay. So it, it that turned out to be actually that's a very good float. So, well, before we move ahead with doom and gloom here, and I'm still going to hold out hope, Cheerwine will remain always. I hear you, Alex. <laughs> All right, let's move ahead with doom and gloom, see if we can do rapid fire response here as we go along and get this first one going. So, All right, first doom and gloom of this 2021, fall 2021 football season. Let's do this rapid fire response style. Hopefully we move quickly enough that we can get some games in this year. So let's go. Uh, new chicken sandwich wars, Popeyes, KFC, Bojangles, Zaxby's, or Chick-fil-A. Who's got to go? Chelsea, who's going? KFC. Dale. It's got to be quick. Yes, so rapid fire. <laughs> Rapid fire. All right. Rapid fire. Uh, I haven't had Zaxby's. Zaxby stays because I got to try Zaxby's. Um, I'm kicking out KFC. Gary. KFC. Zaxby's. <laughs> All right. Olympic event that we need to see less of. Which one has to go? Gymnastics, track and field, swimming and diving, volleyball or basketball? Dale, start us off. Oh, man. So out of these, see, this is real tough because I'm in traditional about what Olympics are about. Um, I'd almost have to say basketball, uh, basketball or volleyball. Uh, the other sports are just traditional Olympic, individual, athletic performance sports. The others are team sports. Gary. Well, you know, you can see basketball anytime. So I almost said that one but you know being a former basketball coach i always want to watch so the one that i got bored with the most during the olympics was uh swimming and diving chelsea um i gotta get rid of swim and dive or watch less of it i love team usa basketball first and foremost praise be usa swimming and diving including claire curzon Cardinal Gibbons High School class of 2022 Olympic silver medalist in the four by 100 meter freestyle and the four by 100 meter relay. So we're keeping swimming. Uh, gymnastics can go 
I said less of it, less of it. No, <laughs> praise be Simone Biles as well. But what can go are rhythmic gymnastics. I, I, I still haven't, I still haven't figured out that, that floor exercise with, 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 with those. With the and, That's and, fair and, enough. And, and the um, and and the ball that they throw up. I, I haven't figured out any of that stuff. So praise be Simone Biles and all of her uh, Team USA mates who were absolutely remarkable. But less gymnastics. This ball and ribbons and less gymnastics. <laughs> all right. Lastly, barbecue food. Which one's going to go? Pulled pork, pulled chicken, ribs, brisket, or smoked sausages? Gary, start us off. Oh, man. I, I love all of them. And, um, but if I have to do without one, I guess it would be the, the pulled chicken. Chelsea? Um, brisket. It's what I don't touch at a cookout. Damn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I like them all, and I can make chicken taste wonderful, but it's the least of the barbecue things on there. So brisket's got to go. Brisket. I mean, excuse me. Pulled pork's got to go. Brisket's got to oh. go here. <laughs> uh, the pulled pork is going to stay. Praise be Sam Jones Barbecue in Winterville down in Pitt County and now in Raleigh. At a barbecue itself, the smoked sausages are going to go. Smoked sausages are great, but within this quintet, the smoked sausages can go. And there you have it, our first week of doom and gloom. Hopefully, a whole lot less of doom, a whole lot less of doom and gloom. Uh, thanks to the one and only Miss Chelsea Sipple for being with us here this evening. We look forward to your manifold contributions throughout this year. Uh, give our very best to everyone at Sanderson, as I, I know it's it's a little tough right now, as the years getting going. But I uh, give our very best to Sanderson and legendary uh, Spartans Athletics Director and Hall of Famer, David Neal. So uh, Chelsea, you have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank that you. Is doom and gloom. All right, guys. And by the way, we are keeping that pulled pork. There's no way in the world I'm getting rid of that good barbecue sandwich. Uh, but guys, you know what time it is. It's time for the Grice is Right. Hey, Sam, hey, Langston asked me for a new picture, uh, but heck, by the time we get to game one, heck, that might be the same picture. I was thinking the same thing, Grace. <laughs> I was like, man. Back to the mask. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to have an unmasked coaching picture for the next few years, but uh, I'm glad it's back. So, hey, Grinder, I think that's where kind of the money for our coach versus coach went, though. I, I tell you, every time I see that, I get nervous, man. Spending money on me. We got we to gotta keep producing. We got the guru here, man. That's the best host this side of this side of the Mississippi, though, with uh, Chris Hughes. Chris, I'll give it back to you, though. Before we get to the game of the week, let's go top twenty-five. Uh, your ranking of the best games out here. All right, guys. Well, let's take a look at it here from the top. Uh, there have been a few changes to it. I think we got them in there. Uh, you know, my top game of the week is Chambers, uh, the two-time defending state champions, heading up Highway or Interstate 85 to 40 up to Raleigh to Alex Bass territory to take on Cardinal Gibbons. You know, Gibbons is one of those up and coming powers. Huff, 
taking on Myers Park. That's a Thursday night game. I mean, these are probably two of the best collections of talent in the state of North Carolina between those two teams right there. Uh, Richmond County heading up to take on the defending state champions, Mount Tabor. Clayton at Grimsley, you know, they're really good. Uh, Mallard Creek at Butler Grice, I know you got a big interest in that one uh, right there. Huge, huge game. Uh, Eastern Alamance at Eastern Randolph. Charlotte Christian at Weddington. Tarboro at Rocky Mount, that's a big one. Hey, but here's the one I want to talk about right now. Charlotte Catholic, um, you know, that's Senator Sawyer's favorite team, uh, taking on South Mecklenburg on Thursday. That's going to be a big one right there, man. I think, you know, you know, shout out to friend of the show, Joe, you know, Coach Joe Evans. You know, of course, with the with the bolster of uh, Jacob Newman coming in there, running back, I think he even you know would probably say himself that he's either right on or maybe even ahead of schedule with his rebuild of the program. And, I mean, I think he's going to get that big test with Charlotte Catholic's first game back in the – you know, back into the 4A to kind of show that they're reemerging in that area. I think that game's going to be interesting from the Catholic side first because, again, we, we talk about them coming back in 4 a ironically coming back a little bit you know more down as compared to when they left it i mean you know last two years they've been handled uh pretty well by weddington even in a weird way while still winning state titles they come into the 4a fight club where i think it's going to be tough but this one's one of those intriguing games where i could either i could see either team winning and kind of build a narrative from there but you know it's one of those where both teams want to get off to a great start and what a feather in joe evans cap it would be to really turn that south mecklenburg program to new heights by claiming that uh, charlotte Catholic victory. Well, you're right, Grice, and Coach Evans and that South team's won four in a row. Uh, but we had a chance to sit down with the coaches from both teams this week. Uh, so here's a chance what they had to say. Let's roll it. What do you say to people who think that maybe Catholic's not going to, you know, do the Catholic thing in 4A? Playing up one level, and we had the split 4A, we were small 4A and four big, four double A, uh, what well, is a huge difference. I mean, I've played Mallard Creek and when Mike was there and, 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 they're just physically bigger and stronger than us because of the numbers game. Uh, I think any given day I can play one of those games and give them a decent game and have a shot to win. But the uh, the gauntlet of going through a, a Chambers and a Huff and a Myers Park and a Butler and just you know just those four schools, not even adding in there, you start throwing in a, a West Forsyth and, and Grimsley and those type of schools like that. You know, I just worry about – we're 1,100 kids, and we're a good football program. And I won't. And but you know, it's still. I kind of, I kind of put it like this. You know that you know, like a North Dakota State has won like four or five one double eight type tape championships, are being so, so successful to say, okay, now you go up there and you play Alabama. You go, gosh, yeah, they'll play them a little bit. But I just think the numbers game wears us down. How important is it for you guys to get off to a good start, and what's it going to take? to beat South Macon Memorial Stadium because they come in with a lot of momentum. Oh, yeah. I mean, Joe's done a great job. I and mean, we hear him talk. I mean, he when he took that job, he and I have talked a lot. And we wanted – I told Joe when he asked us, are we gonna, like last year we were talking about our contract was up. And I said, Joe, I'll always play you until you don't want to play us anymore because uh, it's a great rivalry. Uh, you know, we've had the little upper hand at times this year, but I guess because Joe's turned it around, he's – He's got a lot of kids that he started as a sophomore that are going to be now seniors. So he's excited to play us. They're not going to be scared of us. They're not, they're not intimidated by us because we're right across the street. We played each other. So we both kind of know each other. And, uh, and Joe's done a good job. You know, when he was at AK, we butted heads with him in, in games. So again, he knows our style of football. He knows what it takes to beat us. And I think he's going to have his kids prepared. Uh, and it's exciting to go down Memorial stadium. It's, it's a beautiful a beautiful stadium, what they did, what the city did to, to upgrade the facilities there. 
uh, us to play on Thursday night before anyone else does is kind of exciting. So like, like anything, you know, Joe and I both are big believers in the high school experience and, and, and having these kids, these seniors and this year's team be able to experience that is, is really in, is what we're all about as, as coaches is putting these kids to have a great experience that they can learn from, grow from, and remember for years down the road. Coach, you lost 14 games in a row, and all of a sudden last year you caught lightning in a bottle. You won the last four. How did you do that, and how much of that carries over to this year? Well, I mean, first and foremost, that all the credit goes to our kids. Um, you know, when we had our first season there, we were 0-11, played the toughest schedule in the state. And, um, you know, our kids didn't quit, man. They didn't quit. You know, they saw the vision. They saw what we were going to do. Um, and they stuck with it. You know, in today's, today's times with kids and, you know, young student athletes, it's easier just to quit. So to my, to my guys' credit, they didn't quit. I didn't lose coaches. My coaches stayed. They saw the vision. Um, you know, so all the credit goes to them. But, you know, it's one of those things going forward where last year wasn't good enough. All right. So you talked about four and three not being good enough. You get a really good, good shot to find out how good you are. Week, you know, week one is Thursday. Uh, with your cross street rival there, Charlotte Catholic. Yeah. Against Charlotte Catholic, who's a really, really well coached team. I've been telling my guys for months, you know, we've been focused on that, um, that you can't turn the ball over and you can't put yourself in long down the distances. You can't have penalties. You can't have, you know, dumb plays and things that are going to set you back. They're a really well coached group of young men. Coach Brodowitz and his staff does a great job. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, we've been looking forward to, you know, it's, we didn't get to play them last year because we had to play an abbreviated schedule. My um, first year there, um, you know, we really didn't feel like we had had enough time to get prepared. This has actually been my only um, really, only true off season I've had with my team since I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking forward to the challenge. We're looking forward to playing in a great event, um, you know, because I was coaching the independence in that first kickoff classic. Yeah. We played against South Met. <laughs> so, um you know, it's it's a great event being a Charlotte kid and seeing what they've done, man, over there at uh at Memorial Stadium. You know, growing up watching Trine Bowls in that place and watching big championship games and big, you know, Harding and West Charlotte games and stuff, and seeing what they've done with that facility, man, it, it makes me proud. It really does make me proud to be a, a seven oh four kid. All right, guys, so we heard what Coach uh, Broderwitz and Coach Evans had to say. I think this is a big game, by the way. Uh, I, th- I think it could go right down to the wire. I love that Coach Broderwitz talked about the whole Memorial Stadium, the renovation. I can't wait to see it. Uh, so uh, before I go to the rest of the top 25 games, I want to give you guys a chance to respond to these two coaches. Uh, Coach Griner, I want to start with you because I know you've got a, a great relationship with both of them, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are two of the top guys that I talked to as much as I can. They're very knowledgeable to game. What Joe has done at South Mech is phenomenal. I'm hoping that I can do that at West Charlotte, be able to turn it around and, and uh, really get them rolling. Um, I think that the weight room is, is such a critical factor in the South Mech program that it's going to allow them to compete with the Catholics because now the athletes, they, they can out-athlete Catholic, but Catholic has always been so sound and disciplined you're going to have to overwhelm them with the strength. And I think that they have big tackles. They have the ability to run the ball with a different style. But uh, Broderwicks, I mean, you're four-time state champ. Is it four-time or five-time? Four in a row. Four four in a row. row. Yeah, I mean, that's that's phenomenal. I don't care if it was 3A, 4A, or whatever. That's that's unbelievable. So, 
like I said, they're the team to beat in this game. But um, you know, I, I'm actually gonna be at the game. I'll be I'll be trying to listen in and get some uh get some pointers throughout those games. Gary, uh, what's your thoughts? Um, you know, after winning four state championships, Coach Broadway's made me feel sorry for him almost. He's won four state championships, and I feel sorry for him because he's talking about what they don't have compared to Mallet Creek and some of the other big boys. And I was like, man, this guy's good. Yeah, he really is. That's that, that light rock, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Oh my uh, gosh, man! It makes you it makes you feel like he's the underdog here, and I think yeah, that's like, God, that he must be one of the best pregame speeches in the world. And, and then I started saying, and then what also kicked in was the the um, the interview we had earlier with the legislature, and I was like, mm-hmm. why is everybody picking on Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> had to remember they won four state championships i'm not feeling sorry for them you know uh joe is going to do a great job at south but you know that is a backyard rivalry that's what makes that game so interesting is the fact that they're not more than what two blocks apart yeah maybe you know all kids know each other the parents know each other um you know they're gonna be tailgating together out there, and Memorial Stadium. Oh, it's gorgeous now. I mean, that's gonna be a great setting. So, um, you know, it, it, it's gonna be a very interesting game. I, I would give Catholic the advantage just because they know how to win, and South Mech is learning how to win. I agree with you there, Gary. And, and I mentioned this earlier today on a message board at NC Preps. I think this is a game. I definitely think South is going to be in it to the bitter end. Uh, but I think this is the kind of game that could go down to a special teams mistake, a fumble really late in the game, maybe an extra point missed or a field goal blocked. But I think this is definitely has the potential to be a really close game because, guys, if you have not paid attention, South has won four in a row, and they're really good. Hey, Grice, I want to get to your expert uh, breakdown of this game and the others here in a second. Um, Langston, we're going to go through this bottom half of these top 25 games real quick. Uh, obviously, you see Western Alamance at Reedsville, uh, state power right there. Reedsville does nothing but win championship, guys. Uh, yeah. Droll and Thomas Jefferson, those are two top five, top 10, 118s. Lee County at Northwood, Monroe at Marvin Ridge, uh, big Union County battle. Uh, breaking news right here, I actually had a hand in putting this game together today with both coaches. Pisgah is now going to go down to Bowling Springs to take on Crest. Uh, Brevard was supposed to play Pisgah. They got COVIDed out, so uh, that's a big game. Asheville going to 1A Power, Robbinsville, Wallace, Rose Hill at East Bladen, Havelock, and Croatan. Uh, but I mentioned earlier the big game between Myers Park and Huff. Uh, we also had a chance to talk to both of those coaches, so let's roll that film real fast. Yeah, we're here with uh, Huff football coach Matthew Jenkins. Hi, Coach. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Langston. Absolutely, man. I wanted to ask you about this team. 14 starters back, 31 lettermen. I know you lose, you're losing your big defense lineman, Curtis Neal, but tell me how good Huff's going to be. Yeah. I, hey, listen, the jury's always out. You know how it goes. It's, uh, you know, it's early. We, we, everybody has promise right now, but everybody's got questions. Uh, you know, they, we've had a great offseason. The kids have worked their tails off. Um, you know, we've had a great fall camp. Um, yeah, I'm excited to go watch them play on Thursday against Myers Park, you know, and, and it, it should be a really good football game. Um, you know, I, I, we have we have the potential to be pretty good, um, but uh, but again, potential is only potential. We've got to go out and perform on the field. 
how up are the guys after last year? You kind of gave Chambers, you know, you beat them, you gave them their toughest games. Uh, people, a lot of people felt you're probably second best team in the state. How, how uh, ready are you guys to kind of get started this year to kind of finish off what you started a year ago? Yeah, well, I tell you what, there's a, there's a team that still thinks we're the first best team in the state last year. So, um, so you know, I, I think there's just a ton of enthusiasm for athletics in general right now. You know, I, I've, I've got uh, 44 freshmen in our program. That's the most we've ever had. We're always excited when the season starts in our program, you know, because it's a chance for for this group of young men to prove who they are and prove how good they can be. Um, and uh, and more than anything else, live up to their potential. You know, and that's the thing we talk about. We don't talk about winning state championships. We don't talk about any of that kind of stuff around around our place. We talk about just playing to our potential and being the best version of who we are we can possibly be. Uh, Myers Park starting out of the gate. That's become a little bit of a rivalry, uh, I guess, ever since they came up to your place a couple of years ago. Um, how, how big a rivalry is it? Do you view it as a rivalry? And then what do you have to do to win? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the rivalry thing, it's, sometimes I think it's overblown a little bit um, with everybody. I mean, uh, you know, it's – I mean, when, when you're in a league with people, often that becomes rivalries. Um, I, I think we're just excited because we know they're a great program. It's a great school. Um, they're, they're, they're a great program. Coach Fuller has done a great job with them so far this uh, this summer from what I understand, and he did a really, really nice job last year defensively with them as we've kind of watched some film and, and kind of and scouted them a little bit. Um, you know, I think a lot of people see them very similar to us um, as far as the type of program and, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, we're excited about the opportunity to to compete early on against another good program. All right, so we're here with uh, Mars Park head football coach Curtis Fuller. Uh, how's that sound to you, coach? It's good. It's good. The closer we get to that date, that day, you know, a week from the day, basically, um, it feels even better. So a lot of excitement in the community, you know, a lot of excitement on our football team. So uh, we're getting ready to go. We're not there yet, but we're getting ready to go. I think you guys probably want a bigger question marks going into the season. You know, we're hearing there's a lot of talent over there. We've seen some of the guys that have left and gone to other places. Tell us about, I know, I know you got a big time receiver from basically, you know, where you were living in Katy, Texas. Tell us about the team and some of the new faces and what you're expecting to see. Well, I think it starts, you know, with, with getting our guys on board from the standpoint of the guys that we've had here that have been here. Uh, really trying to change the culture, Langston, trying to improve things from a practice-oriented standpoint, functionality, you know, an offensive defense. Uh, we have a lot of moving pieces right now, you know, just like everybody in the community. We got guys that are here. We got guys that are not here because of vacation, you know, guys that are hurt. So really for me, the most important thing right now is is making sure we get back to the fundamentals of football, you know, that's blocking on offense, that's that's tackling on defense, no matter who's in there you know, and protecting the quarterback and not allowing the deep ball. Okay, you want to not talk about names, but I'm going to talk about names. Amir Turner out of Cypress Lake, Texas, big-time <laughs> transfer, big-time Division One player. You got him, you got Cameron Thornton, another D1 recruit, and you got Lucas Lindhoff. Are you going to continue to throw the ball over the yard? It sounds like it, or is it going to be a little bit of a change? I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, we, we have some very talent, talented receivers. We really do. Uh, we got some shiny new toys, as I like to call it. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to do what's best for our football team. And it may be what's in the best interest of our football team that we throw the ball 50 or 60 times because we have the athletes and the quarterback to do it. Uh, I think there's a time and a place for that. And I also think there's a time and a place to turn around and hand the ball off. Uh, I have all the trust in the world in Lucas. I have all the trust in the world in Cameron and the offensive line and what Biggie's doing. And, uh, you know, we'll put the ball in those guys' hands and they'll make plays. You know, my job is to uh, not handcuff that side of the ball because they are talented. 
And so, um, you know, for me, uh, my goal is, you know, first and foremost, protect the football. You know, and I told Lucas, it's okay to punt the ball. You know, it's okay to take a sack every once and then. Uh, but it's also okay to get the ball to those guys too and let them make a play and let them score. So I'm excited about that offensive side of the ball. Is this a team that can make a similar run to last year? Well, I think it's going to start with Huff. I think, in my opinion, being around football, it's always those first four weeks of the season where you find out who you really are. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to stand on that, you know. But you know, maybe ask me that after the Buford game or after the Reagan game, and and I think I'll have a better answer of that. All right, um, 13 starters back, 39 Letterman. What do you have to do to beat Huff in this kickoff classic special Thursday night game going back to Memorial Stadium? You've never been to Memorial Stadium. But no, sir. Going back to Memorial Stadium, they, they've redone it. It's beautiful, right in the heart of the city. But what do you got to do to win that game? I, I think, honestly, we got to take care of the football. I think it starts there. I think we got to play good defense. they got a phenomenal quarterback. I mean, he does a great job throwing the ball around. And, and they do a great job, in my opinion, scheming from an offensive standpoint and a defensive standpoint. Uh, and really, it starts there in the explosive plays. We cannot give up any explosive plays on defense. And then on the flip side of that, Langston, we got to get some explosive plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got some good personnel. We got some good personnel. So to me, it's going to come who can stop the run and who has the less amount of turnovers. Um, and to me, that's what's going to tip the game. Well, guys, we heard Coach Fuller talk about those shiny new toys being all that incredible talent they've got. And I've said before that I think that these two teams may be the most talented teams uh, collectively in the state of North Carolina. Uh, Coach Christ, what is your expert opinion on this game? Because it's a big one for our, our Thursday night. It's one of the biggest games to me on this slate. I mean, honestly, it was my number one game, um, you know, outside of my own interest and, and of course, obviously the Creek-Butler game. Uh, My three keys here, you know, for me, first, Huff's got to start fast. I mean, we look at the last two years with the spring 2021 season, a narrow 7-0 win over Hopewell, um, and then a loss to Butler in 2019 in which, you know, they dominated the game everywhere, but it felt like special teams. These last two, you know, opening games haven't been to the Huff standards that they're traditionally used to having. So they've got to start fast. Um, that's going to be key for them. You know, we, we know we talk about, you know, we heard Myers Park and all these new kids and, and guys that are here. While they're not unknown to maybe rivals 24-7, et cetera, they're unknown to this area. And those unknowns have to show up big. I mean, we knew Linhoff coming in last year was one of those guys. And I think he's established himself in this area as one of the best quarterbacks, you know, in Charlotte area, plus, you know, maybe even considering the state. These new guys have to come in and show their worth and show up big in week one. I mean, you know, you're basically a Huff team that's star-studded and talented on that side. These guys really have to be up to their billing there. And I think finally, even as, you know, you know, as Coach Fuller tried to evade the question, I thought that was a pretty evasive interview. You know, you clearly can hear he wants to throw the football. As someone who, throw, who throws a football a lot and likes to, you can clearly hear he wants to throw the football. Um, he's got the right team and the right matchup in Huff. And as we know, Chachi Sullivan keeps a few D1 DBs uh, clearly on that team. So to me, whoever wins that battle between Lynn Hoff, you know, getting that ball to his talented receivers and those D1 DBs, whoever wins that matchup to me is going to win that game. Lynn Hoff throws a couple picks. I think we're going to see Huff really kind of settle down under second-year coach uh, OC Kevin Olson and really get that ball down the field with, with their own D1 quarterback and really be able to take control of that game. So to me, it's exciting, clearly, because, I, you know, uh, you know, we play both of those teams. But also just in the grand scheme, to me, in the state and 4A and determining who the real kings of 4A are and who are the pretenders with their shiny new toys. So it's going to be an exciting game. I wish I could be there to watch it, but clearly I'll see the tape of it uh, throughout the week. Well, great job, Grice. All right. Uh, we got to get out of here, man. I think, you know.
All right. The grace is always right. But even still, we got a new segment this week. We've asked the guru, Chris Hughes, to talk about. I guess we might want to hold our breath here. Whatever's on his mind. All right, Chris, what you got? Well, I had to hold my breath. I put a clock. I put a clock to this segment. Langston called me up. He said, "Hey, I got this idea. Let's roll with it." Uh, I did this. It was very hard hitting, fast paced, sixty seconds. Uh, it was hard to get four top, maybe five topics in and. Uh, 60 seconds, uh, but we had fun with it. I only got it done in one take, so I'm really happy about that. Uh, but hey, I'm, I'm ready to go with it, Alex. The guru, Chris Hughes, talking South Carolina football and how much harder it is to win a state championship now than ever before. Check it out. Roll the tape. All right, Talking Preps fans, this is Chris Hughes, and this is a new segment that we're going to call 60 Seconds with Chris. Langston Works came up with the idea, and what we're going to do is we're going to start a timer, 60 seconds, and I'm going to go over three or four of the top topics in the state as quickly as possible. Uh, so let's go ahead and wind that clock up. Get ready to counter down. Three, two, one. Boom, and we're off. All right, North Carolina versus South Carolina. We saw some of our top teams cross the border this week and go play some jamborees in South Carolina, and all were them facilities sweet. Uh, who's got the better facilities? North Carolina, you know, we got Cherokee. It's amazing. Asheville, beautiful. Cardinal Gibbons, they've got fields for miles. Looks great. South Carolina, though, you got Dorman. It looks like a college. Dutch Fork, it's like a pro facility. But Spartanburg, oh, is it sweet. They win it. South Carolina's the best. Right now, it's a heart of the winning state championship in North Carolina with the four classifications. Right now, it's 95 and a half teams per championship. Before, when it was subdivided in eight, it was only 47. Of course, it's harder now. I think a happy meteor would be, medium would be six uh, which would be about 63 teams per champion. Is Raleigh football down? I don't know. Really, is it? Wake Forest has won three titles recently. Rollsville has really trimmed that gap. And boy, Cardinal Gibbons, it's an emerging power. And finally, eight-man football. Should we do it in North Carolina? I think we should. Eight-man should be here to stay. Oh, I hear the bell. Uh, let me finish that thought. Think about it. South Davidson, uh, Union, Madame Mesquite, Columbia, Rosman. That would be some great football and eight-man action. Help those schools a lot. That has been 60 Seconds with Chris. We'll catch you next week. I told you it was fast pace. It was 60 seconds. Never enough with the guru right there, but we'll do it again next week. Absolutely, absolutely, man. It, it was a lot of fun, uh, but uh, I think we're going to roll right here into uh, Chris's corner. Um, I don't know if we got any music for this, Alex. I mean, Langston. All right, this is the segment where I'm going to rank every team, or where we're going to rank the top 20 power rankings for each classification. 427? Well, well, there's only 382 that play football. Oh, okay. Uh, so so 382. You, you, and, you and Langston uh, challenged me to rank every football team in the state of North Carolina, and here's the chance where we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to start right here with the 1A. Obviously, you got Tarboro, the defending state champions right there, number one. But Mountain Heritage, look out for Joey Robinson's Cougars uh, coming up from the 2A, uh, going down from the 2A. Murphy, uh, there you see the list right there. Eastern Randolph coming down from the 2A. Robbinsville, state power. Thomas Jefferson, I mentioned them earlier. Uh, Mitchell, Mount Harry. 
Winston-Salem Prep, they got like two D1 um, guys on there. Drone, we've already mentioned them earlier. Uh, but you can see the list right here going down through the 1A. Uh, there, there are some really good teams. There's also some teams, though, you get down here towards the bottom half of it that you'll see the records. These records, by the way, guys, are from spring football that took place uh, back in February through May. Uh, as you get further down this, you're going to start to see some teams that really did not have a chance to play some football. Uh, we got some really good teams down there. Uh, but like Washington County, for instance, Coach Larry Dale asked him how his team was doing uh, this year. And granted, they're ranked 39th. And he said, man, Chris, we look like a team that hadn't played football in two years. So you're going to see some of these teams down there towards the bottom. It's not that I'm trying to rank them near the bottom. It's just really an unfortunate fact that they didn't play a lot of football, if any, last year. Uh, so, you know, that's just kind of why they are where they are. Uh, by the way, guys, we're going to rank, we're going to put these on the Charlotte Observer tomorrow morning. So you guys are about to see the whole list. Uh, and I think we've got the 2A uh, coming up right now. Maybe. I don't know. What do you think, Alex? Do we have the 2A? Uh, 2A coming up. Um, there we, Here we go. Regis away, a familiar name at the top right there. I was going to say, are you really surprised that Reedsville is the number one team in the 2A? I'm not. Uh, there you see right there, Burns, Shelby. Monroe's a team that I really flirted with going to the number one team in the 2A ranks. I really think that Coach Johnny Sal's Red Hawks are for real. Uh, Shalik Knotts is one of the best, if not one of the best athletes that I've seen in recent memory. Uh, by the way, he committed to Maryland yesterday. That's a huge acquisition for the Terps. Uh, Salisbury right there, the defending state champions. Um, Jalen... Um, Walker right there is one of the best athletes I've seen. Northeastern up there in Elizabeth City, incredible. Clinton, St. Paul's. Uh, you just look down here the uh, down the list. Wallace Rose Hill at number 11, exceptionally fast, really talented. Uh, Chase there at 16th. They're really good. Whiteville, number 17. I think I may have got them a little bit too low. I think Whiteville is a tremendous state championship contender. Uh, Robinson's going to be tough out of Concord, Mount Pleasant. I mean, look here at these 20 through 26, 27, 28 teams. These are some phenomenal, phenomenal phenomenal football teams. And even as far down, we got it there at the bottom of the screen, you know, Midway, Red Springs, Cummings. Cummings has a tremendous quarterback. Uh, they're coming in here at number 37. Uh, we'll kind of quickly scroll through here to the bottom. Again, guys, uh, if you're watching this, you can check it out tomorrow morning on the Charlotte Observer to really look at this and, and break down the entire uh, rankings for yourself. Uh, 2A is a very competitive league. Uh, there you see number 64, Community School of Davidson. They had a phenomenal year, 63 well, no, 63 Pine Lake Prep, Community School of Davidson, two teams coming up from the 1A. I think that they're going to be some really formidable teams. Uh, kind of getting down here near the bottom, and again, you kind of have some teams that didn't have a chance to play a lot of football last year. Uh, C4 there at number 101. By the way, they will not play a varsity season, guys. Uh, they're going to strictly stay to JV this year. East Rutherford as well, they're not going to play varsity. Uh, so, you know, they're kind of relegated there to the end. And uh, here we're going to move quickly – uh, guys, to the 3A classification once Langston gets the uh, graphic up here on the screen. Uh, number one ranked team in the state, Greenville Rose. Uh, the Rose Rampants are going to be phenomenal, guys. Uh, they might be able to score about every once, every four, five, six plays uh, once you start breaking down their offensive possessions. Uh, this may be one of the strongest teams in the state. Lee County, I flirted with putting them number one. Exceptionally talented team. 
Greensboro, Dudley, they're great. Scotland County, you know they're going to be tough moving down from 4A. Havelock, incredible team. Eastern Alamance is a very senior-heavy team. Uh, once you kind of get down here, though, Crest, you, we know the Crest is always good. Uh, they're going to be phenomenal on defense. I don't know how tough they'll be on the offensive side. They've got some gaps that they need to kind of fill. Jacksonville's a team that I really like. And when we'll go through this list. You see Kings Mountain there, 13, had that phenomenal performance uh, Saturday night. Uh, Chris, 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 hold on a second. I, I put him on the screen because I wanted to get his reaction. So you put him at 18. Hey, hey, well, let's do it, Coach Griner. Hey, and by the way, I think that you guys are going to be a tough, tough, tough team. Let's hear it. He's mad. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know half those teams' names are in front of us. No. They're watching. They're watching. <laughs> That's fine. You, they can take it down, write a note, take a picture, whatever they got to do. It ain't going to matter. They got to play between the lines. And I don't think they want that smoke right now. Oh, here we go. Okay, now he's getting himself in trouble. I'm going to take him out. And I'm going to let you finish. Hey, 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 I welcome any criticism. And by the way, I know the Coach Griner's team is going to be phenomenal. Uh, and, yeah, they've got a tough schedule to go through in that conference. But once they get to the playoffs, man, they're going to be hard, hard to handle. Uh, you see East Lincoln right there. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, they've got a great quarterback. They've got four great receivers. Their defense is legit, guys. Uh, that's going to be a fun team to watch. You see South Point down there. Um, 71st is a strong team coming up from the 4A. Uh, Wilson Hunt, J.B. Hunt, um, uh, just looking at these, uh, Walter Williams, brand-new coach, Concord. Concord's moved up to 40th, guys. I think the Concord Spiders going to be a little bit better team than we've seen from them. Uh, another team that I've kind of got my eyes on is High Point Central there in 46. Uh, we'll kind of scroll up through the listings right here uh, just to kind of see some of the back half of the 3A rankings. Again, we rank each and every one. There's 106 teams in the 3A. Uh, there you see uh, some of the Rowan County schools, my Douglas Bird Eagles, my South Rowan Raiders right there coming in at number 87. Uh, hopefully uh, they can kind of work their way up to the top. Again, towards the bottom, you got some teams that didn't play, Lake Norman Charter, Cedar Ridge, uh, Cata, uh, and, and these are teams that's all going to have an opportunity to improve as we start the regular season here on Thursday and some of them on Friday nights. Now, here's the guys. This is the one I know all of you have been waiting for, the 4A Power Rankings. This, by the way, is the most stacked, dominant group of teams I've seen. I think you can go down to about the 65, 66 best, best team here in 4A and see some legitimate powers that I don't think anybody would want to face uh, on a Friday night coming up here in November and December once the playoffs start. Remember this year, the playoffs is not subdivided. It's one big 4A playoff. It's going to be six rounds instead of five. Uh, but there you see it, number one, the two-time defending state champions in Chambers. They bring back Dalen Summers, probably the most electric running back I've seen. Hey, I've said it before, probably since Nick Maddox. Uh, Huff, great collection of talent, great team. Grimsley, uh, Lonzo Barnett, the second, the quarterback, um, incredible we saw what they did winning the state championship a year ago butler guys i think this butler team is for real i have spoke with coach hales he said that he thinks that they're ahead of where he thought they'd be this time of year i think that the bulldogs are going to be dogs again like they were in the old days i think they're going to be a team to deal with uh rollsville we saw them in the state championship game gibbons they're on the way up richmond um cleveland uh, marion hampton um hampton one of the best players i've seen um myers park 
They, they're probably a little bit better. We'll see. Newburn, uh, Charlotte Catholic, Southview, Glenn, East for Scythe. Guys, I think this East for Scythe team is a team that can get to that final four or five teams. I think by the end of the year, they may be in the top three. I'm telling you guys, that was probably the most legit team I've seen uh, this past few weeks. Uh, there you see Providence, Mount Tabor, Weddington. Look at the quality of teams, even down here in the 20s. Uh, Panther Creek, Hickory Ridge, Mallard Creek 25th. Bryce, I know you're not happy about that, uh, but you guys can only go up from here, Porter Ridge, Pine Forest, Hillside, AC Reynolds, Asheville. Asheville's a team kind of going up with the bullet. They're going to be really good. Leesville Road. Again, guys, we're only at 37th, and you can go up here to the 50s, to 60s, and you're going to see teams that are just absolutely phenomenal, guys. Look there, A.L. Brown coming in at number 50. Millbrook, Davie County, Reagan. These are good, good football team, guys. Uh, 60 right there. Greensboro Page, another win 0-7. Uh, but the Pirates going to be a lot better. North Mac, they're a really quality team. West Cabarrus moving up. Um, then you kind of get here into these teams right here that, you know, were kind of the mid-pack of the 4A last year when it was only about 80 teams. Now we're going up to 106 teams, and, and these is just, I'm telling you, men and, and everybody else, the 4A is just absolutely rock-solid loaded uh, for this 2021 fall football season. Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm out of breath. Well, uh, I'm, I'm not out of breath because it's imperative that when the guru speaks that we listen. So uh, if the guru Chris Hughes is out of breath, then that means we're all doing something well because we are all have plenty of breath because we've been listening to Chris Hughes. So uh, thank you as always, Chris, for your insight, getting us excited for this upcoming season. And we're excited for coach versus coach. Alex, you got to get out of here. You got to get excited. This is a thunderbolt. I was just so chill and so calm. Let's go. Give me that theme music, Langston. It better be nice. To another edition of Thunderdome. That's what I'm talking about. Don't forget about you guys, but after doing that, all right, hey, before we get to the Thunderdome, you know, first we want to announce, you know, we're changing the name of the North Carolina Player of the Year uh, from the high school Heisman to uh, Mr. Football. And of course, you know, with the guru, we're going to have that super team. Don't don't you worry about that. I think that was a big hit. You know, we're going to do that later this year, of course. You know, but our biggest thing with with uh, the Mr. Football, we have a watch list. You know, we want to make sure and kind of issue the disclaimer first that, hey, just because you're on this list does not mean you're on this list for the entire year. Guys, you can play your way on by having a phenomenal start and continuing to perform. And guys on this list. With a lack of production, you can go ahead and be escorted out of the of the watch list. So glad Langston's dropped this list here. Uh, Guru, I'll turn it over to you to start. Well, guys, hey, I mentioned Greenville Rose, the number one team in the preseason for the 3A rankings. We can see Michael Allen, the phenomenal NC State bound runner back there, number one. I mentioned Alonzo Barnett, quarterback at Grimsley there, number two. And, and by the way, guys, these are not in statistical order. They're in alphabetical order. Uh, so don't think that I'm ranking you. Uh, Byron Brown, we, we remember him from the spring at Rollsville. Tate Carney, boy, does that guy score touchdowns or what? Uh, KJ Concepcion, he was a difference maker in that state championship game. Isaiah Crowell, um, East Forsyth DB. Mac David, guys, you, you, a lot of you guys may not know Mac David, but he is one of the strongest 
linebackers I've ever seen coming from you from West Forsyth. Bryce Dixon at Butler, Kavion Freshwater. Anybody that don't know Freshwater family in Northeastern football, they are nothing but dogs. Uh, Christian Hamilton, uh, we know a little bit about that young man. Hickory Ridge, Marion Hampton, Carolina-bound running back at Cleveland. Uh, Malachi Hamrick, another Carolina-bound linebacker at Shelby. Tad Hudson at Huff, uh, Shalit Knotts, I mentioned him heading to Maryland, Jacob Newman, South Mecklenburg uh, via Myers Park, James Pierce at Cham- uh, Chambers, what a great edge rusher he is, Albert Red at Glenn, uh, Noah Rogers, he was another one of those difference maker uh, players uh, in that state championship game for Coach Martin Samich, Rollsville uh, team, um, Travis Shaw at Grimsley, he may be that Top solid interior defensive lineman in the state. Incredible. Obviously, we got last year's Mr. Football, Dalen Summers. Incredible. I mentioned he's the most electric running back I've seen in a long, 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 long time. Uh, Jalen Swindell, another one at Chambers. Hey, we see a little list right here with Chambers. Uh, there's a reason these guys are the best, uh, but they coach them up too. Uh, to, um, Trey Moore uh, Thompson, or Taymore, I think I got that right. Another one of those edge rushers at Grimsley. Uh, Torrin Wright, A.L. Brown. Uh, Jalen Walker, forgot about him at Salisbury. He's heading to the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, dog reference right here. And Carter Wyatt, he is that tough, tough, tough middle linebacker uh, for Coach Brett Hickman and the West Brunswick Trojans. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, man. This is a phenomenal football list. Well, I mean, there ain't no West Charlotte or Mallory Creek guys on the list, so you know, look, we'll see. Hey, we're, we're coming in the future. We got a lot of young guys, seventy-one freshmen in our program. We hey, we got some future Mister Footballs on there, but hey, that list is stout. Like I, I you know, we took time, we close our eyes and choose. Like you know, I don't, I don't want to see any list or people adding us about highlights or saying they're being slept on because if you're not on that list. You need to show your work and get some real competition. And apparently, these colleges think so too. Is every one of those guys seems to have major, big-time football interest. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I agree with that. List is phenomenal. Yeah. And, and again, I want to reemphasize something that Coach Grice that you said a little bit ago. Just because you're not on this list today does not mean that you're not eligible to be this Mr. Football. And again, just because you are on the list don't mean that you will be. Uh, we're going to play it out on the field as it should be. But man, I am excited about this team this season oh, yeah. again. It kicks off right. Better. Uh, what, what, what time is it, guys? Do you know? Lock the door. Let's go. Lock the door. Get the thunder going on. And let's get it on like Donkey Kong. Let's do it. (laughs) What we got? All right, man. Uh, Which version of the sport will make the biggest improvement this year? College football, pro football, high school football. I'm going to start with you, Coach Grice. Uh, For me, it's college. I I think, you know, whenever I look at the game, to me, college is the most reactionary of the three levels of football. I think you see a lot of times where you'll have one side, like, for example, the proliferation of the spread offense. That was kind of the big thing. With everybody running fast plays with Chip Kelly, led to a lot of teams going into this three-down Iowa State-type defense and, you know, really transforming ball that way. Now we're starting to see offenses kind of go back the other way where you're seeing a lot of 11 or 12 personnel, meaning the introduction of one tight end, one running back, or one, you know, running back or two tight ends, kind of reversing back to the older, you know, older styles of football. And for me, you start to see those, you know, those changes and those, you know, that improvement there. And I mean, I think we're starting to see a lot more big time quarterbacks every year, new quarterbacks that are freshmen, 17, 18 year old kids coming to big time college atmospheres and acting like they've been there, 22, 23 year old kids. I mean, you look at the, the DJ kid last year from Clemson, first start ever, 375 yards passing. 
You know, you saw Tua and how he was able to do this at a young age. Bryce Young, we talk about, you know, at, at Bama. And I mean, Trevor Lawrence the same way. So many young kids that are 18, 19 years old are just coming into this game more prepared than ever. So for me, I think you'll continue to see that expound when you look at these uh, new crop of quarterbacks and players coming into college ball. I like that response. Did you hear the thing? Hey, hey, new season, new toys. Hey, 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 hey. I gotta say this. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm, I've got a shiny new toy too. <laughs> I'm bringing an air horn. All right, Coach uh, Griner. Let's see what you got. Well, I mean, he's making some great points for college. It's fun to watch it. But the question, if you read it correctly, is: Does which version of the sport will make the biggest improvement? Well, the biggest improvement is going to be a high school because we get a lot more practice time. We had a summer. Remember, we did not have a summer in the spring. Okay. We literally just went straight to games and there were conference and then it all ended. So it wasn't much improvement you could do. You, you didn't get to teach guys football. Remember there's a lot of high school players that don't know the game at all. When you go to college, you pretty much know the game pretty well. Or you wouldn't have been recruited. So biggest improvement high school. I like that answer. Um, Hey, that's a great question. Uh, I, I kind of, again, if you read into the question, uh, I'm with you, Griner. But, Grice, I love your answer, bro. I am the college football guy, too. I don't care nothing about the NFL. Hey. In fact, I don't even watch it anymore. Give me, give me one thing. Oh, oh, my God. All right, let's go to question number two. Which version of the game is most overrated? I know my answer, Coach Griner. I want to hear yours. Uh, the most overrated would be pro professional. Um, the reason why, okay, is that they're so far behind. I think you got the most, the best coaches in the world, you know, outside of Belichick and stuff like that, they say best coaches in the world, but they take so long to get adaptive to the players they get in. Example, the Tim Tebow, when he played at the time, the offenses weren't advanced enough to run like a scheme to build around them. Like they do Lamar Jackson. Now they're just always behind the curve. Now, the players are phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Those are the most elite athletes in this game of football or professional athletes. I get that. It's just the coaching, it just it, it bothers me because it, they're so far behind, I feel like, sometimes. I feel like some of the professional coaches are going to look like what high school and colleges are doing and having them coming in the meeting rooms and teaching them what they're trying to do. You know, so I just think that's that's the biggest one. Yeah. Hey, Grice, before you respond, I just got to say this. Can anybody believe that it only took two hours and three minutes for Coach Grinder to throw a Tim Tebow reference at us? Uh, but anyway, yeah, Coach Grinder, let's see what oh you my God. Like, This it question is so freaking – like the answer obviously is pro, but for me – Oh, you know, I to say I'm right. I literally – if I would have went first, I would have taken that. But, hey, let's flip it again. To me, honestly, we can go – we can go another way. College, honestly, is the most overrated. We know two teams – I can give you two teams if I go to Vegas who are going to win the national championship. It's either Alabama or Clemson. That's it. You can, we can play the whole season. Chris, you can believe in the magic of all the fun sports. It's going to be Saban or Dabo that's going to win the national championship. I'm going to Vegas right now and put my money on it. We play all these games, have all the fanfare, all the fun, all the stuff for freaking Nick Saban to hold the trophy up again or freaking Dabo to go here and talk about bringing your own guts. That's the whole thing. It's the illusion of competition. They're, they're giving you all these playoff games, giving you all these teams. Coastal Carolina, hey, what a great year. End of the day, it doesn't matter. If you ain't saving, you ain't Dabo, you ain't got a chance. 
I agree yeah. with you on that aspect. Comes I mean, those are powerhouses. Maybe you can throw in an Oklahoma once in a blue moon. Hey, they're gonna get beat. The Lakers going off by one of those two teams. I'm <laughs> tempted to go to Vegas today and throw down a grand on these fifty to one odds for Carolina to go to the playoffs. I think that they've got a chance. Let's not do that. Now, they, they got the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. They do. They do. All right, let's, let's round it up tonight, gentlemen. Uh, all right, let's throw that question back up here again. Uh, all right, the, the, let's just let's let's ring it for Langston for the question because that's the winner right there. Is the high school transfer process out of control, Coach Grice? You're up, and give me a solution. I, you know, I gotta know. I, no, it's, it's not out of control. I don't. I, I am a big believer of being a corporate guy in free enterprise, and I think it brings its way into high school sports. Everyone that transfers or goes somewhere else does not get their desired result. And I think what you're starting to see is people kind of slow down in certain areas. Not, I, I think there's a quarterback division because I, I love quarterbacks to death, but quarterback parents are crazy. I, I understand it. They, they're crazy. They're in their own separate stratosphere. But everyone else is starting to realize, hey, just because I can go somewhere else does not mean I'm going to get a desired result. Sam, look at your top guy. He's realizing I can stay at a 3A school, one that's not a powerhouse per se right now or competing for a state championship right now, get my D1 offer, be around a great coach and the kids that I grew up with. I think you're starting to see certain teams be able to keep guys that they're on. And even where I am, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. We, you know, a lot of kids that were a little, you know, uh, you know, upset or whatever with what was going on there. We now have a lot of kids that are bought into our program that want to be where we are. And I think that's the beauty of a lot of this is that, hey, if kids want to go somewhere else and be a part of something else and diminish their role, that's fine for them if they want to put their collegiate future at stake. But what you have is a lot of opportunity for other kids that are being loyal to their programs. And I think they're reaping the benefits just like chances with with uh, with West Charlotte and guys are really reaping those results. Hey, Grinder, before you respond, I want to say something real quick. Grice, I got a serious question for you. You're familiar with travel baseball, right? Yep. Are the quarterback parents, are they just like those dads travel baseball that like to lean up against the batting cage and watch? Oh, for sure. 100%. (laughs) I think think it's a very comparable type situation. And I I, I love quarterback, you know, quarterback dads and all. And I get it, but they are very similar to that, man. It's it's out of control. Sorry, Sam. Grinder, finish up. No, you're good. I, I mean, the transfer portal, like Bryce said, he made some great points. It does get a little bit out of control, but I kind of look at the reference of this is, you know, we can go back and watch the old Kevin Costner and feel his dreams, build it, and they will come. And uh, that's what it's all about. You see this in different schools in South Meg, uh, West Charlotte, we're going to turn to page two. Got a lot of faith in our team. Um, are we there yet? Not yet, but we will be. We'll be relevant when the time matters. And, um, I'm excited about it. That's what they build it, and they will come. Why it happen? Yeah, um, agreed. Hey, before we uh, go on, I didn't want to bring up one thing um, just uh, for everybody. Uh, it, it's kind of gotten out there in the public, but I want everybody to kind of say a prayer for West Forsyth football coach Adrian Snow. Uh, many people may or may not know, but he's been hospitalized this week uh, in, in the hospital for some COVID uh, and pneumonia. Uh, and, and I know he's probably one of the more popular coaches in the state. So I just want to throw that out there just so everybody can, can kind of throw a prayer and, and some thoughts out to his family and, and staff and players and, and his wife and all. Um, but guys, uh, th- this was a great, great show. Uh, we, we've had a lot of had a lot of fun so far. And since everybody's back, let's send this over to Dale and Alex. Instead of quarantining the entire team, or, <laughs> is that where I'm at? I don't even know. Am I at the right place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Instead of quarantining the entire team, 
should we just only the unvaccinated? I'm sorry, guys. I totally screwed that up. Should the unvaccinated players only and coaches be quarantined? Uh, Dale, Alex, take it away. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I think that uh, the unvaccinated should be quarantined. I do think that the uh, vaccinated should not be. I do agree with um, the, the statement that Gary made that uh, the unvaccinated test them. Uh, so if they're if it comes out say on a Monday that uh, we're needing to quarantine, let's test them again on Wednesday and maybe test them again on a game day. And uh, if everything's po- if everything's excuse me negative, uh, allow them to play. Yeah. By the way, that was an inadvertent uh, bell. I didn't want you to think that I was dinging what you were saying. <laughs> uh, so, uh, well, I, thought you were with what I, <laughs> I thought I got a positive ding. <laughs> Alex. As I've done throughout this program, I will reaffirm my support for the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, and I will adhere to the NCHSA sport guidelines for best practices and move forward accordingly. Wow, I, I was uh, I was prepared to like like you know go get a, some dinner or something and come back. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go to Sam, I got one last announcement. Thank you, all you guys still watching, a lot of you guys still watching. Thank you. I know we're running heavy. I promised you last year we weren't going to do this, and I came out and came out heavy again. I had two guests. I'm sorry. I will do better. Um, I did want you to know the Talking Press is now a podcast. You can find us on Megaphone FM right now, and very soon, hopefully later on this week, you'll be able to find us on Apple, Spotify, and all the places you find your favorite podcast locations. Next week, we got a very special announcement relative to the podcast with Dale and Grice, I mean, uh, Grice and Chris, but I can't give it away. But next week, we got a really special announcement. I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, it's going to be something that I, I want to see for a long time. And Grice actually came to me with an idea that I had years ago. So it's kind of cool to get it back. Um, but Sam, we're really happy. But what's on your mind right now? And man, football starts this week. I'm excited. That's the only thing that's on my mind. We've been grinding for the whole summer. And I know a lot of these teams, we don't play week one, but I'm excited for these teams that are playing week one and uh, praying for everybody that's not able to play. Um, I know how important it is and how much hard work you put in, praying for your teams and praying for your families to make sure that you're able to get through a successful season and it doesn't linger around too much longer and we can get through all these games. All right. Um, So Grice wanted to get on a two shot with you, Sam, before we get out of here. So I'm going to let you guys get on a two shot. I just wanted, I just thought, I just wanted to say, you know, Griner, JM Robinson says they have a week one spot open. You have a week one spot open. Can we get a, can we get a talking prep exclusive? Like week one? How about it? Hey, do like Coastal Carolina did. We can't, we can't play 11 games. I would do it. What do you mean? Hey, cancel one of those games, man. Like, you don't have to play all those games. Week one, let's go. Hey, Langston, set it up. You can do it. I would say play as many games as you can, really, Sam, because I don't know what's going to happen later on. I really don't. D-Rob, D-Rob, D-Rob is a, a great friend of mine. I love that guy. <laughs> we went, did a little seven-on-seven seven with him. I think it would be an awesome game. Um, I think we would get him. <laughs> but it ain't going oh, to Well, they're open. Talk is cheap. Sam, Talk is cheap. roll the dice. That's what I'm saying, Greg. Talk Sam, is cheap. Sam, 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 Sam
Yeah. Roll oh, the dice. Get them all in anyway. That's you right. You're going to lose the game. You're going to lose games. Roll the dice. Sam, I really think you guys as coaches need to seriously give some consideration to starting conference play first of September. Really get do. your games going now. I want to play conference. I'll, 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 get, con- I'll get conference <laughs> next week if I could. Need me personally. I don't want to play Matter Creek week one. Golly. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I know we're heavy, but I forgot. I got a special thing from my man, from my man Chris. We worked it up. Uh, my man Mike McCray at the Observer worked it up for you. There you go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That citrus taste you just go wild for, man. Man, we gotta get sun drop on sponsorships. I mean, what does this man have to do? Like, why right, look, look, fellas, we are super, super heavy. It's like two hours and fifteen. <laughs> People still watching. I appreciate y'all. We'll be back next week. We're going to go back to 8 o'clock because Sam can't get here on time at 730. I need a shirt that says like Ford on it. It'll look good on my chest. Built Ford tough. We'll be back next week at 8 o'clock. We got special announcements. Make the call, Sam. And we won't be as long. I promise. I promise. I promise. I'm Langston. That's Sam. That's Grice. That's the guru. The number one voice for asking football. Chris Hughes. Dale Ross, Alex Bass, and Gary Rich, my friend, brother. We are talking press. We'll catch you next week. Sam?